welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 15. Once again with us, Mr. John J. Wolf. How are you doing tonight, John? You know, I'm feeling great. I'm looking forward to another great episode, man. Yes, and we got a pretty fun one today. We're going to learn about a lot of new names, and uh, hopefully they'll start becoming some GCW regulars as well, because they all did a pretty good performance on GCW Sanctified from Concord, North Carolina. And uh, we have a little different commentary team tonight. We had Brett Lauderdale kind of started off at the beginning with uh, Dave Prezak, and we have the um, John Mosley. I believe they call him uh, Mose online. And later on, we have Nick Gage. And I was kind of disappointed. It was kind of noticeable. I didn't notice it right away because like, it was mostly someone else talking right away. And we'll get into that when we start the show. But not hearing KG's voice for an entire show was kind of odd and different. What do you think about that, John? Uh, anytime there's no KG, it hurts. I'm really a big fan of KG. I, uh, I just, I really love the intro to this. I'm, I'm just going to go right into it because I thought it was fantastic. So first of all, yeah, it was the Charlotte debut for GCW. So right off the bat, we're looking at the first time there. So the fans are very receptive. We go with the old school intro. To me, it's almost like a 90s intro. Show pops open and starts with a shot of George South. He cuts an old school promo, letting us know he's in GCW and quote, you don't know what's going on or no, I'm sorry. He says, quote, you don't know what's going to be going on in that ring tonight. Buckle up, folks. Yeah, the legends here. I thought it was a fantastic opening. I was really hyped for that. It was just a great way to start. It cut right to black. Boom. Emil, I'm in North Carolina. <laughs> you know, yes. it was just beautiful. Music hits. Out comes Nick Gage. Nick Gage comes to the ring. He's getting love from the crowd. He says, give me that shit, Emil. Crowd starts fucking cheering. Emil hits that famous MDK intro. I love hearing that crowd reciting the intro. It, you know, I love still it. do that. Even when I'm watching it, I still do the same thing. I'm reciting it right there with them. Oh, hell yeah. I'm like a six-year-old kid. I'm like, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, and so MDK basically gets on the mic. He says, GCW run Charlotte, which the crowd popped for. And uh, then the microphone cuts. And the crowd starts chanting, you fucked up. So basically, they try to get him a new mic. And I normally wouldn't put something like that in here, but he actually tells one of the crowd, the crew sound guy, he was lucky he didn't come down and give him the mic himself. I'm guessing, obviously, because <laughs> he was going to tear into him. But uh, yeah, Gage gets on the mic and says it's comeback season. So to me, as an old school fan with the, the promo and then the cut and then straight into the show, and then here comes the star and he comes out and the fucking crowd is hype. All of that right there is exactly the way I like to start my wrestling events. I'm, I'm, I swear I probably grew up with it, but yeah, it's very 90s to me, and I really loved it. And then seeing George South, I'm an NWA WCW fan from way back in the day, and it was really nice to see the dirty fucking South, really. I mean, no better way to put it, but the dirty South still fucking alive, and really, you know, we'll talk about it further, but it was a great opening for me. I mean, that's just the intro. Yeah, I liked how, like, how you said the the starts off with the video they've done a couple shows like that but not in a long time i mean like a very long time since we've seen like a kind of well i guess not very long time but it's been a while since we've seen uh the opener like how it starts off with the video kind of like getting the crowd hype for us watching on tv because obviously I, i'm gonna assume the people in charlotte couldn't see that video 
but it was kind of cool with us, like how they opened it up. And then right away, as you said, we get the normal MLJ. I'm in North Carolina and I loved it. And Nick coming out, that was pretty funny. I love like, even I've said it before, even if he just comes out, gets his pop and does the co commentary on a couple matches, I'm in. But Gage said it is comeback season, which now is going to make me kind of uh, believe him more now during this match where maybe he is finally fully healthy and he did take that time off. So maybe he will start wrestling GCW, maybe not on a full-time every single show basis, but at least we'll get him in action hopefully a couple times a month if he defeats John Moxley. But I am way more excited now than what I was when we were talking about homecoming night with Nick Gage and him going for the title. I thought this was a, it got me back into possibly rooting for him against John Moxley to bring that belt back home, as he says. But I still kind of on the fence, 50-50 on who's going to win that match. But him, he look, looks incredible and way better shape than um, it, every time we've seen him, he looks in better and better shape. So I hope it is comeback season for him. I hope he does uh, come back full time, not full time, but more often and starts getting in the ring and starts uh, fucking wrestlers up, as he likes to say. But I did like kind of like how they opened it, too, since it's been a while since we've seen one of those openings. And then it leads us right into the first match of the night. As we have on uh, on Andrew Everett uh, going up against Kevin Blackwood, and it's been a couple a uh, couple months since I've seen Andrew Everett in a GCW ring, so it's kind of uh, excited to see him back in. And then we got Blackwood again coming off of his pretty good matches that he had at Homecoming. Um, I was looking forward to it because I like I like Andrew Everett, and I thought this was I was kind of hoping this would be a nice comeback match for Kevin Blackwood because we you know we said the last matches were kind of lukewarm, but not too bad, and this one was definitely more of a Kevin Blackwood that we've seen and we're used to. Um, what were your thoughts on this match, John? Well, I really liked how Andrew got that warm reception. Of course, seven feet four, you know, <laughs> he's so tall. Uh, Everett sticks to that giant gimmick the whole time. He was getting he's a giant chance. Okay, personally, I know that I've seen him a little bit on Twitter, and I'm sure that I've seen him once or twice on other wrestling shows, but this was the first time where I was really paying attention because this is, you know, GCW here now. So um, I noticed that Kevin got an equal reception, and that tells me a lot because Kevin is generally held in high regards with the crowd yeah. and uh, GCW. So uh, he had great athleticism, Everett did. Uh, his flipping ability was incorporated really well he was a solid solid performer and for for me that that flipping ability was just <clears throat> excuse me i would say incorporated three to four times more sometimes than the average person would be flipping so that was obviously one of his fortes and he put it in there really well um ever had a jumping springboard twisting press off the top rope i can't really describe it anything more than that and i said it slowly so that someone could try to understand it but the solid impacts it was a brawling match everett was selling a choke slam that happened quite a while uh, towards the end of the match there i noticed that blackwood did a lot of reverses he was getting cheers on those but um my thoughts were overall that this was the first time in a while that I really sat down and paid attention to Kevin Blackwood. And I'll talk a little bit more later as we get to the finish on this one. But um, it was really enjoyable. It was really enjoyable. It was a great little opener. It was uh, unexpected from both men. Yeah, it was uh, very impressive seeing a, seeing a seven foot four man doing all those flips and moves off the top rope. And of course, we are just joking. Those of you that maybe might be listening and haven't seen Andrew Everett, he's not really seven foot four. He 
kind of plays up to the gimmick <laughs> and stuff like that. But um, no, yeah, I he I thought this was different and from the Ninja Mac match that Kevin Blackwood had because this was more fast paced nonstop go. Where as we were kind of talking about the Ninja Mac one, it was a lot of slow down and uh, methodical match. Where this one kind of lived up to the GCW pace of being uh, more of a uh, especially to start off a night, we got to start off the crowd hot and get the crowd hot. So um, I, I like the pacing of the match. And I think that helped tremendously where like, as we were kind of talking about with Blackwood, it's the last couple ones have been like lukewarm, but this one was awesome. Like I said, I was glad to see the old Kevin Blackwood back with his striking, his uh, counters and a Andrew Everett uh, definitely mixed well uh, with Kevin Blackwood for this match. And it was a good start at first i was like okay after the first couple matches we've seen like lately with blackwood i was kind of interested to see how this would go and they both delivered and hopefully we will see the seven foot four uh andrew everett uh back in a gcw ring here soon because i think i've seen him before in like scramble matches and stuff but not really on a one-on-one -on -one on the, off the top of my head but um they definitely he definitely looked good in the singles competition and i think blackwood was a good uh, opponent to kind of control the match kind of keep the pacing on it keep everything uh keep everything going and making it sense and it was good it was a very uh good match and andrew everett does pick up the win surprisingly in my eyes as he hit uh kevin blackwood with the shooting star press they work so well together man yeah they work so well together and i don't know how many times they've uh, met before but this was just absolutely wonderful to watch so i said i was going to get a little further into blackwood so i'm going to kind of do that now here and i'm going to kind of run off my old uh my old notes that i have i put the blackwood isn't a top rope guy so okay so let me explain that for me i wasn't really a blackwood person because i hadn't had a chance to sit down and really take him in but he's not a top rope guy once you understand who and what he is about though you'll know a little more of what to expect so basically his style is different than the classic gcw style that we're used to um, between size and ability i believe that he would have fit well probably with somebody like a, a dean malenko yeah both as an person. opponent yeah, as an opponent and as a trainer, I think that he would have worked really well. Malenko had a style to him that was just fantastic. He had a strong style to him without a, you know, with a lack of a better word. He had a bunch of holds to him. These are all things that Blackwood uh, really stated by himself that he really uh, prides himself on. So I really do think also that Blackwood's really a complimentary wrestler in a sense that he allows breathing room for his opponent to shine. And I didn't get him before, and I, I really do now. Yeah, I think going back to how you said it gives the gives his opponent room to shine. Uh, I I thousand percent agree with you, but I think that's where in the Ninja Mac match where they kind of that are shining in the Ninja Mac kind of way as he normally does, high flying, going all the crazy stuff that kind of Andrew Everett did. Ninja Mac, as we kind of noted that weekend against Jordan and Kevin Blackwood, it seemed like Kev, uh, Ninja Mac wanted to stay on the ground, stay grounded, show off his technical skills. So, um. I think that was the difference between that match with Ninja Mac and this match with Andrew Everett, where Everett used that time to shine and got all his shit in that he normally always does. And it's something that we expect from Andrew Everett if we watched him before. Where Ninja Mac, he kind of went off script of his normal uh, style of wrestling and went technical. So I thought this, as you said, the complimentary style right there, that was absolutely perfect wording. And um I'm glad you're uh, you get a Kevin Blackwood now because I'm the same way. Like I felt the same way about him. Like he's good, solid, and he's just different than the kind of style that I like to wrestle. Doesn't mean 
he's bad. It just uh, this was one of his better matches though because everything flowed perfectly, and I think the amount of time that they got it was like eleven minute match was perfect where. They didn't go overboard where they had to draw stuff out and get the crowd kind of out of it with the rest holds and stuff like that. They, this was just a high-flying, fast-paced match, and I, I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, so you made an interesting statement there where you were talking about how this match here was actually faster than Ninja's match. I didn't think about that, but you're 100% right. Um, so no lie, I'm going to tell everybody because we're kind of broadcasting about this and I wanted to mention it, but um, when it comes to Kevin Blackwood, I was explaining to you that... Um, I think he's absolutely talented. I watch everything he does in the ring. It's very crisp. It's strong. It's good. What he does pride himself on, you know, the strikes and the holds, reversals. He does really, really, really well. And for a while there, I was I was not really understanding much about him. I just thought, well, he's just... I don't know. I just wasn't connecting with the character. I everything else about him from just being a person to his ability to everything else he presents to me was absolutely wonderful. It's just for some reason I wasn't connecting with his character. So that's why I kind of wrote up that little thing earlier was because I asked you and you gave me your opinion on him and that gave me, you know, I basically said, look, I, I don't get him and I want to make sure I kind of get this right. So this was the first time I sat down and was really analyzing everything. So I have a much better respect, or respect for Kevin than I did beforehand. And um, yeah, I would definitely say that now, uh, now that I know what to expect, I'm going to be looking forward to watching him now. I'd like to see him with Deppin. I'd like to yeah. see him go up against Steppen, just two technical guys go at it. Um, wow. If those two could go on the same team, I think that would, that would uh, raise, I think that would raise the stock a little bit of Kevin. And um, I just, I don't know if he does need paired up. I, I just see him against Deppen as being one hell of a match. If they gave him, you know, breath, maybe a 15 minute, you know, yeah. but this was, there's different kinds of opening matches and this was the one that was atypical from GCW. Usually we start differently. There's usually one of two different ways we'll start. This one here was more of the feel-good hometown guy struggles. And he looks strong and wins. And the crowd just loves that. Again, that's like a feel-good thing. So everybody's there cheering for the guy. And, um, you know, that kind of taps into the pride of the area. And I think that was really well done. Again, just like you, I would have to say Andrew Everett, Everett wins this was a surprise. But it was a beautiful shooting star press. And it was a really good, entertaining match overall. If he shows up again, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, like I said, I think it's all about pacing. That the, the between that and the ninja back, it was the pacing was different. Even though still got high flying, flippy guys as Andrew Everett is and Ninja Mac is, I think just the pacing and Andrew Everett used his high flying ability where Ninja Mac didn't. I think that was affected me where I really liked this match, and I was kind of as you said, like oh, I wasn't blown away by the Ninja Mac Kevin Mac Blackwood. It was a good, it told its story. It was a good match, but nothing really made me jump out of my seat where. Um, Andrew Everett and Kevin Blackwood definitely killed it this time. So I definitely want to see both of them again. And uh, Kevin Blackwood just keep on. Uh, I think he's lost his last few matches in GCW. If I remember, I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Just thinking about it, but I it's I was shocked. <laughs> Andrew Andrew Everett getting the win over Kevin Blackwood was kind of shocking to me. But good for him. Good for Blackwood. A good solid match. A good way to start the night. Now our next match of the evening is a tag team match of the Los Macizo, Ciclope and Medio Extremo going against Charlie Evans and Everett Connors. And uh, 
this was kind of playing off of the homecoming weekend with the Charlie Everett stuff. Um, I was interested because I think in this match, Everett Connors is kind of the odd man out in this match where <laughs> I was kind of interested to see how he would make an impact and still kind of get his shit in and get over himself or how much he would kind of step out of his normal lane and dive into the violence and everything. So um, this was an interesting match on paper for me going in. Of course, I was excited. I'm Huge fan of all four. And it actually did play out way better than I thought it was going to. So, uh, to, to my surprise, and thank goodness it did, because like I said, I was kind of interested in how Everett would mesh with the other ones. Um, what were your thoughts on this match? So before this match even kicked off, the, the first note I had written down here was, here comes the violence. I just, <laughs> I knew it. And that's why I also wanted to say that uh, I wanted you to talk first about this match, because if there was um, anybody that was going to know more about charlie evans and ever connors but also los macisos you happen to know a hell of a lot more than i do so what's kind of nice about this is when it comes to evans and evans and connors i mean i've probably seen them of a total less than eight to ten times so i'm still trying to really get a a real understanding of who they are and you've really helped me with that a lot because i was trying to figure out a little more about connors charlie i kind of figured it out right off the bat right after i watched a hardcore match i went oh, okay i see where she could easily fit in and then i started to see some of the personality develop with her there and i saw that everett uh we're going to talk about a little later especially in this match though i will say a hell of a lot of spots he was in and out of the ring a lot yes and i mean I wrote down here somewhere, let me see if I have it, that Charlie took in this match some serious damage. I put overall that she put 80, she got 80% of the team damage. She took that much. And I would say she was probably 70% of the offense. But I would say also, though, that Connors probably had most of the high spots, if not 80, 90% oh, yeah. of the high spots. So I'll give him that much. Yeah, for him, it wasn't a lot of wrestling. It seems like the secret to him in this match was just spot 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 and he needed that time to breathe so no shit charlie actually held her own against both of those men no shit that was great um i was really surprised knowing how entrances are that los macisos came out first given that they should be the most over given that they're also the veterans but uh yeah they came out first everett came out in his dirt bike gear yep and i always think it's funny because he looks like a writer. He looks exactly like every dirt bike rider I've ever seen. So, that's I mean, do my, you have anything? Yeah. That's one of my favorite outfits when he comes out. Is in the and when he comes out in that outfit, I really like yeah. that. And I kind of miss. I wish he would kind of mix in that outfit with uh, his stuffed animal pants or overalls that he sometimes brings out as well. So, but like seeing Everett Connors come out that way, it's like I, that was like one of the since homecoming. I was like, whoa, this is the Everett Connors I know. This is. This is who I kind of started really liking and stuff like that. And I was, like I said, I was still wondering how he's going to be the fourth wheel. And as you explained it, Charlie Evans kind of did most of the work, which is fine. I think Edward Connors is still trying to find his footing teaming with Charlie as kind uh -huh. of Charlie's the most is more over and is kind of the better wrestler overall. I think, especially when it goes to yes. these uh, more extreme death match kind of styles, definitely for sure. So I, I he and you, I, you said it really good too. I like how he kind of picked his spots of when to get his stuff in when it when it's his time to shine. He he finds that little spot where he gets like two minutes of just nonstop action, then lets Charlie take over. Then he finds another two minutes where he comes in and does some crazy shit, does some crazy spots, and then lets Charlie kind of take over again. I kind of like how they go back and forth with it. I would still like to see Ever Connors do a little bit more to help Charlie out, but um, yeah. 
Overall, they play well off a tag team. I, th- I know we talked about last time where, like, Charlie Evans is, is constantly, no matter who the opponent is, just getting the shit beat out of her. And Everett Connors just kind of stands her up to the side. I'd like to see him more like, hey, stand up. Like like how Jordan does with Nick Wayne. Like, no, th- like that's my, that's my brother. You ain't touching him. You got to go through me first. I would like to see Connors start throwing himself out, taking a bullet for his... Uh, I don't know if they're married or not now. I can't remember, but I would like to see him take some more bullets for Charlie Evans instead of coming in after all the damage is done and kind of playing the hero then. Yeah, so one of my notes also here noted that he primarily came into the ring in the last three quarters of the match, and that's where he was taking most of his damage. In the first, I would say eight minutes of this match, it was, well, it started with he was thrown over the Los Misisos head and into the second row. I mean, before this, yeah, that was absolutely the first one. And then, I mean, he sat there for probably a minute after that. And of course, then here comes the next spot. Let's just say minute two and three, and then he's down for another minute again. So that was kind of the offense from Everett for the first roughly eight minutes. The other thing I wanted to mention now, because I wanted to admit to it, I think as full grown men, I need to admit (laughs) to it at least. Um, The cow clothes are growing on me. I'm really loving the uh, Los Macisos cow clothes. My wife mentioned it first, so. You want more of it. No, oh, okay, I'll, t- I'll see oh. myself out. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, but it was really cool because we actually got to get the tables, Chan and GCW, and out came tables, not, not, yeah, uh, stores, not doors, yeah. tables. So, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention here for sure was that I was watching in this match when Charlie was taking most of the damage there, that, uh, I have gained a lot more respect on how careful Los Macisos was uh, protecting their opponents. No shit for who they are. You know, one of the cardinal rules is to protect their opponents. And I was going to say 100%. They did one hell of a job making sure they protected their opponents tonight. Yeah, and I wanted to piggyback off that because that was like really the only note I took of this one was they took care of Charlie. Like, as we said before, like the last weekend at Homecoming Weekend, Charlie was facing just beat the shit out of her like stiff like it wasn't like as you said it wasn't a careful forearm it wasn't like no i'm just swinging as hard as i can i'm doing as much damage to you and every time charlie evans is in the ring it seems like they kind of go out of the way as we kind of talk about the toughness of ali where it's like no we're not holding back you're in here with us like this is going to only make you better and the fans love you more so we're going to beat the shit out of you where sometimes i'm seeing that with me i do become a little like squeamish or like i don't want to see that where I, that was a, one of the first, the only, like I said, the only note I wrote was like, I loved how they, Los Macisos made it, didn't like really go out of their way. Didn't look where they were like really that noticeable, but for as much damage as I've seen her, you could tell like, Hey, I'm still going to get you, but I'm going to go 75% instead of 150% as she was getting from Charles Mason. And, um, I forgot right off the top of my head who else she was wrestling at homecoming, but he, yeah, they, I loved how they took care of her. And that's what I, as you said, you found more respect for Los Pacitos. I'm the, that's yes. the same way that made me like, this is why I like these guys. Like, Hey, yeah, we are dangerous when it's time to get dangerous and crazy. We will do that. But Hey, this isn't one of these crazy shows. This is not a tag title match. This is a normal, like kind of a run of the mill GCW show where, Hey, let's do our fun stuff. Let's have fun and go a little crazy, but we don't have to kill each other. And I just loved how they could kind of turn it on and off in that uh, situation. Yeah, you know, and even when they were hitting chair shots, those stiff chair shots on Charlie, those things were hitting just at the right spot. Uh, Los Macisos has a swinging drop kick. I don't have another way to put it. That was just fucking sweet. Cesaro Tyson Kidd move. I love that. 
Okay, cool. So yeah, I was going to say, let's hope that's important enough to have a name because, oh my goodness, I, uh, I hope that one stays in their repertoire. Uh, Charlie was hit with a top rope superplex onto four chairs and everybody took damage in it, but that was a hell of a spot. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Another door came out, and here was this, you know, the, this, uh, the last quarter of the match. You know, door comes out, Everett hit a second rope, top, uh, second rope cutter onto Miedo. And then there was another spot here for Everett where he, um, he took Miedo to the outside of the ring. And then just a great table spot, just boom. And another one that was just wonderful. So really, I mean, in this situation, like I said, Everett's a spot guy, not a technical guy. I get him now. He came in, he really delivered towards the end. That's exactly what he was there for. He delivered on that. I'm scared to see what a match with six Everett Connors would look like in a scramble because it would be absolutely damaging. But the last thing I wanted to mention on this match that I'd written down, and this was my last note on this match, was that this was definitely a hardcore match. There was no blood, and they didn't need to have any. I wrote here that they did absolutely enough without needing blood. Yeah, I... I was the same way. Like that's where I kind of loved that when they had their match with Jordan and Nick Wayne, where it was way more technical than this one, obviously, but they still introduced the fuckery with the doors and the chairs and stuff like that. But like I said, I was just saying the last statement, like they do a really good job of like knowing when to go overboard and get the crowd going and do some crazy shit. And they know when it's like, Hey, let's kind of, we can have fun. We can do crazy doors, but we don't got to be killing ourselves out here right now. I just love how they turn it on and turn it off. And as you said, every Connors, like I've seen him in a match with uh, Danhausen on Wrestling Revolver, and it was actually like, I was wondering how that match would go. If that I was going to that match, this is going to be a comedy spot. Like the whole right, match was right. going to be a comedy match, and it actually turned out to be a pretty decent match. And that was that was I think the most I've ever seen Everett Connors like actually wrestle wrestle because there was one on one. Like he had no, he couldn't rely on Charlie to do it. And I would I want to see more of that side of Everett Connors where he is. Um, could be more dominant in the ring and not rely on Charlie some more. I want to see him kind of take control and start, you know, like showing off what he really can do in the ring. Because like I said, that match with Danhausen, and I think he wrestled another time too. I forgot against uh, who on Wrestling Revolver as well. But like I, Connor can go. He does still need to be probably led in the ring, I think, still too. But I still think like his, for me, I like his character. And we didn't see too much of the charisma in these last couple shows. Uh as well from Everett, which was kind of disappointing, but this was more of a, hey, this is the Everett Connors that I know, and I love seeing it, and I just want to see him just be a little bit more aggressive. But we uh, going back to the ending of this match, Los Macisos do pick up the victory as they uh, tap out Charlie Evans uh, to capture the W. And once again, why has it got to be Charlie? Where is Everett at here? <laughs> like, Everett, you got to step it up, man. Come on, protect your girl. But nice, fun match, like you said. Like, we got... A lot of cool spots, a lot of everything, and no one went crazy. We didn't have to, no one got hurt, which is a good, nice, fun match. And loved seeing that as the second match of the evening. And going into the third match of the evening, we have, I don't know if he's all heart, grave heart, no heart. I don't know what heart he is right now, but we have Blake Christian <laughs> going one-on-one -on -one against a Joe Lando, who is uh, returning once again to GCW. This time, he's still a little bit injured. He's still kind of playing off the ankle injury, which kind of cost him... Um, night two of homecoming but he was well enough to kind of show off more of what he kind of showed off on homecoming night one during that scramble which was i was very glad to see because 
I wanted to see more of him after seeing them in that scramble. And I think a perfect opponent to show off what you can do in the ring is Blake Christian. And uh, Blake Christian came out. It uh, wasn't near <laughs> the booze that he got in Atlantic City, but it was still noticeable, but not as noticeable, yeah. which is a good sign. As we were talking about, we were wondering how this was going to be playing into his future uh Future GCW shows, future wherever he signed two shows. And I think this was a good sign where, hey, it was just the one rowdy crowd that really dislikes you. It didn't take over and possibly ruin your reactions in the future. Um, so I was kind of glad to see Blake a little bit more happy that he didn't get all the, those boos either. Um, what was your thoughts on this match? Okay, so right off the bat, my curiosity was going to be how that crowd was going to treat Blake. Uh, it almost overshadowed the match analysis that I had going on because I was so listening to the crowd reaction. Uh, from what I was seeing, Blake was getting maybe 5 to 10% boost. He got a streamer when he came out. So I would say you had that little batch that always thinks uh, what's going on is cool. So they were probably just because i'm clueless again as to what the hell the reason is and i'm sure most of these people are too so somebody must have thought it was still cool and do it um again i'm really hoping that we get back to all heart they had all heart in this one and um i was really really happy to see that back um we had somebody yelling out blake's my hero and then we had a dueling shut the fuck up chant we had an all heart all heart and then you start hearing all heart sucks all heart so those chants are going out there um everybody was really enjoying themselves yeah it was definitely pro blake it wasn't even close there was no 50 50 in this i was noticing that lando was nursing a slight injury it was a noticeable limp and he still put on one hell of a match. Yes. I mean, really, I don't know how how bad that injury is, but he did a fairly good job hiding it when within his moveset. Yeah, Joe Lando, like I said, I was I wanted him to see more of him. And since we kind of missed out on night two, I thought this was a good kind of perfect opponent for him to kind of all right, go out there, show show us what you what you could do, kid, you know, kind of thing. And he definitely did step up even with that injury, as you said. He still did pretty good where um it's you could definitely tell he was still injured but seeing him still do off the some of the crazy stuff that joe lando does was pretty impressive especially on one ankle um i just liked how blake too went into the crowd before he even got into the ring is like giving the love to the crowd like hell oh, thank you guys for not booing me like ac i appreciate it and that's what i kind of thought blake should have done was just own it at that point in homecoming but luckily it's not affecting his future um this matchup was very very fun. Um, this is why I like Blake Christian because he is so good in the ring. Doesn't matter their opponent, he kills it every single match. He's one of these ones too where, like, I don't think I've seen him have a bad match. And even going against the Joe Lando, I thought the Styles was a perfect, perfect match for each other as well. And Joe Lando was a little bit shorter, so that helped uh, Blake show off some more of his strength moves and more of his more powerful moves as well. Um, and like I said, just seeing Joe Lando in the ring, I was impressed. I do want to see more of him. Um, this was good, very fast-paced match. I loved it. Okay, so this was really as fast-paced as expected. Um, a lot of chain wrestling. It didn't disappoint. Uh, both are really telling a great story. I put that note down here about halfway through. So, I mean, it was there. As I was starting to watch Joe do his job, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what would this guy be like with, you know, a fully healed body? Um, if 
if we were to see him more, I'm not going to complain. I would say, since we're missing Ninja Mac as a regular, that he would be a great replacement for a Ninja Mac as a uh, faster performer with abilities. I would like to see uh, Lando versus Ninja. Um, oh. Yeah. One time, I want to see Lando versus Commander, and then since I mentioned both, I'd like to see Ninja versus Commander. Maybe on the the big stage would be just beautiful. Uh, there was a rare move that Blake pulled off. He dove through the bottom rope and hit Lando with a strong shoulder. It was like a shoulder tackle. I'm just telling you, that's a rare one. I haven't seen that one in a very long time, so I just wanted to write that down. So now, the other thing I just wanted to mention, which I think was the last thing here, was that we were trying to gauge, or I was trying to gauge how well-received Blake was going to be. This was a situation right here that if Blake was going to get booed and they were really on the fence, it was going to happen here and the reason why i say that is because joe lando has incredible likability it makes us it makes it hard not to boo blake in this situation and somehow this still all worked out just perfect um the one thing i would say about lando and i mean i really wouldn't have anything bad to say but the one thing i did notice in this match was that he's not a very vocal performer so i would say that he was if he was just a little louder with yelling or if he just would be a little more interactive in some small way. I think that he would be over even further. I'm just waiting for his personality to come out because he's proven himself in every other way to me. And it only took, uh, what, two, three matches. Yeah. Going back to that, uh, that dive you said Blake does. I remember I, <laughs> I was in a Twitter space and we were like, it was kind of like an argument of how people kind of hate the suicide dives or the tope, all those moves now because it's all just a flying push. Like where I I wouldn't even say MLJ was in there. I'm not one thousand percent sure, but I right now as I was talking about it, I just see Emil or hear Emil's voice talking like how he wants to see when people do that move of hey, we're not out here just to push you away and push you into the chairs. Like no, make some impact with it. And he like this was exactly what Emil like or whoever was saying it. I think it was Emil. Like this is what they that person wants is when you do those suicide dives or um when you go flying out of the ring, we're not pushing like. Make some contact, make it worthwhile, make it look realistic instead of you just diving out there pushing. And like that one, like that, I remember seeing that spot. I was like, whoa, that's what, uh, like I said, MLJ, like that's whoever that, that, I went right to that conversation. Like that's what that person wants. And I see it. You can see that, as you noticed, you saw the difference in the contact that he made. So like that, oh, yeah. it's a noticeable yeah. difference. And like, that's a great catch. A little small little difference in the moves can make a big difference in my eyes. And, um, as you were saying with uh, Joe Lando replacing Ninja Mac, that would be <laughs> that would be one fun match. I want to see him, Ninja Mac, Commander. <laughs> Let's see all those high flyers in there. Um, so this is one of the things I wanted to mention about Joe Lando, and I 100% mean this and not in a bad way. I've watched wrestling a really long time. I wrote down here, Joe's Lando, Joe Lando's style is so impressive. I 100% know that that can't last forever on his body. He's seriously, seriously pushing. Um, I put that his style is a young man's game, although he's still getting better. He, he's, he's not done. He's got years oh, yeah. on him. But I put here, fortunately, we still have years left with him. Okay, so But uh, I really do hope we get to enjoy his work more in GCW. He's another one where myself and probably quite a few other fans are going to kind of lobby for him to come back again 
But I just wanted to say, in in the way that Joe Lando's style is, that he can only do that for so long. Let's just say another 10 or 15 years, because, man, that's rough on the body. There's only so many times that those ankles can take or those knees can take. And I'm just trying to tell everybody uh, we're fortunate that he's out there kicking ass and definitely go see him because I couldn't imagine someone getting a ticket and going, oh, disappointed in Joe Lando. Yeah. Seriously. No one could be disappointed. I think that comp you made to Ninja Mac was spot on because like right when you said that like bubble in my head i was like damn that's such a good one like we always want to see ninja mac like we always want to see joe lando let's put them all together now like that's why where i want to see like a crazy scramble with all these high flyers just going nuts and like literally no feet are on the mat the entire time yeah he has incredible flair every punch every kick has incredible flair and that's why i think ninja mac came up in my head because it, it just very well could have been ninja mac there i wouldn't have known any better yeah uh, going to the ending of this match, Blake Christian does end up picking up uh, does end up picking up the victory as he hit the well, I was calling it the grave stomp, but he's not uh, Graveheart no more. So he hits the face stomp onto the mat and <laughs> pins Joe Lando. Going into the fourth matchup of the evening, we have a six-person tag team match as the team of Axton Ray, Carrie, and Ricky Morton. Go up against Billy Starks, Chris Hamrick, and Jordan Oliver. And this was one of these matches I was just sitting on the fence. I'm like, I'm just going to enjoy this. I don't have a lot of expectations. I don't think I've seen Chris Hamrick wrestle in a long, like, very long time. Like, even I, like when he came out, I was like, is that him? Like, that's how long it's been since uh-huh, I've seen Chris. Uh-huh. But, and seeing uh, Ricky Morton as well, like, I had not reservations, but like, let me just enjoy this match. Not go into it with high expectations. And I think because I went into that match that way, it was a fun match. Like, wasn't crazy. Not a lot of moves, not storytelling. This was one of these matches like, let's just have fun here. This is GCW's way of, we got Ricky here. We got Chris Hamrick here. Let's put him in with some of these uh, up-and-comer young talent that we have and see what happens and see what kind of magic they can make. And I was, I enjoyed this match. Yeah, this really was about seeing Rock and Roll Express in the ring. And it was about seeing Chris Hamrick come out and find out exactly what he can still do. I mean, he's he has a hell of a career. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I wrote this down or not. I'm going to find out here. Uh, I wrote down somewhere. I'm not going to try to go through it too much, but between. Nope, I will get to that note later. There, there's a reason I have a note here for you. But um, we're looking at a lot of talent and we're looking at a lot of, of years in the ring there. Yes. So. I started to watch how Hamrick was. He came out to the uh, Dukes of Hazard theme. I thought that was kind of cool and unexpected. I didn't think anybody would come out to that in the last 30 years. Um, it was really fun watching Chris mess with Billy, giving her a high five. He put one hand up and then put it down. And, went, and I mean, she was thoroughly enjoying it. You can tell when she's smiling and laughing. She's one of those ones you can't hide. She can't hide her emotion very well. Yeah. Uh, I did like how the referee was checking him and found two different <laughs> screwdrivers. That Don't was to blame it on Billy and Jordan. <laughs> I just love so. seeing their face like, why are you blaming us? Like, we're your teammates. Yeah. That's just as bad as if we had it. You had it the same way. I love their reactions there. Yeah, and then, and then the Ray and the Mortons, uh, Axton and the Mortons come out. They have matching gear. So I thought that was kind of a yeah, cool little touch. The rock and roll chants are going through the crowd, which is mandatory. Um, Axton, again, had an impressive move set tonight. They They... They let him shine. You know what? It's almost like not like they let him shine. It's just like they let him do his thing and he delivers. Maybe that's a better way to put it. It's just 
there was GCW chance all throughout this damn thing. Everybody was really, really, really enjoying themselves. There was a point about halfway through in my notes here. I put Hamrick and Ricky face off the huge chance. The 1980s are fighting again. So yeah, rock and roll chance. You still got it, chance. Hamrick was playing the heel halfway through, so he went from the ha ha into the heel. Uh, there was a point there where I noticed that Hamrick is in an excellent fighting condition. I mean, excellent wrestling condition for his age. He puts quite a few people to shame. Hamrick hurts himself at some point, and then the check his balls <laughs> chant comes out. That's probably the first time I've heard a check his balls chant. I think, but, you know. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You know, Morton looked really good, and Hamrick looked really good. It was just, it was just a beautiful overall match to watch it was funny seeing a third screwdriver come out of hamrick and he gets caught for it <laughs> but um the one last thing i wanted to mention here if anybody's really a, an old school fan there was a match a long time ago that hamrick's kind of known for there's a little famous spot he was in the wwf he was against the one two three kid and he goes for a spot where he's trying to hit the one two three kid on the ropes it's um it's almost, I don't want to say it's a baseball slide, but it's somewhere similar to that. And he basically completely misses the one, two, three kid. And he misses grabbing the rope as he's going out of the ring to kind of sustain himself. And you see this asshole completely clear both ropes and fall back first and head right onto the, right onto the concrete. And that shit looks like it hurts. And, and Hamrick at, I'm guessing, late 50s went out oh. there. And did the classic, oops, I missed bump. And I mean, he slid and hit that floor hard. And the fans just popped. The ones who knew what the hell he was doing really, really popped for it. So, um, wow. This was a loaded 14 minutes, man. Yeah. A loaded 14 minutes. Everybody got to breathe, too. Everybody did their gimmick. Yeah, I'm, I was honestly surprised. I don't even remember it being 14 minutes. I thought it was like even faster than that. I can't believe it did dra uh, not drag out that long, but go that long. And yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like an idiot here. I t I am a huge Sean Waltman one two three kid X Pac fan. Like even when I played like the wrestling games, like I used to always enter in. My name was always Lightning Kid, Lightning Kid. I just loved when he used yeah, to be the yeah. Lightning Kid. Like that's how long I I've loved Waltman. And oh. I totally forgot that like, that was that callback was to that spot. Cause I was like, I heard them talking about it. And I didn't, I was like, okay, I think I remember seeing something similar to that. Like it must be a Chris Hamrick thing, but I didn't know that it was against one, two, three kids. So that was cool learning about that. Cause I didn't, I didn't yeah. know that's where that spot came from. Yeah, no shit. And on my end, I originally thought it was an ECW spot. So I had to go look back and I'm going, okay, because I wanted to make sure I told somebody, okay, what was the, you know, the match? So the little historians out there, you know, the little bit we try to give what we're right about. But uh, yeah, the one, two, three kid. I honestly thought that it was an old ECW match. I but, love that. Uh, yeah. I just love how yeah. Jordan ran out there too real fast to go check on him. Like Jordan's just overprotect. It doesn't matter. Like he, he is a ride or die. Like if you are his team, he's going to ride or die for you. And this was, I just like how you said, like all, everybody just got their shit in. They had fun with it. Nothing was crazy. It was a entertaining match. Like I was, I enjoyed yeah. it more than, like I said, I had cool expectations. Like, let me just enjoy it. And I am glad I did that because I enjoyed all these little, the Chris Hamrick little spots. I loved seeing Ricky get in there with him. I love seeing Axton just kind of show off his shit. Carrie Morton. I still want to see some more Carrie Morton become, because uh, I've just seen little of him. I, I'm not like, impressed impressed but he's i think with time he's gonna be just as good as his dad and i think that's <laughs> that might even be a reach for me to say it because ricky's a freaking legend but i think 
Harry Martin has what little I've seen of him and what little he's shown me where I think with time he could get there. I think like this was a young team. Well, so you add Ricky Morton, but Axon Ray and Harry Morton, I would love to see as a team because I could see Axon Ray being an old school like, hey, I don't. Southern. Yep, I don't need to do this flippy stuff. You want an old school 1980s match? I could put that on for you and be have it be entertaining. So hopefully, maybe we'll get to see some more of Axon Ray, Kerry Morton uh, teaming up here in the future. Because, like I said, those two were like I could see something possibly building there as a young tag team. Maybe they'll get to Jordan Oliver, and Nick Wayne one day. That'd be kind of fun to see. So one of your comments there matched right up with my notes, where I wrote here that it was an excellent mix of young and old but still being able to showcase everyone involved. Um, the older and veterans here really blended well. This match really did um, evenly kind of spread out. The young kids let them do their thing. The older guys let them do their thing. Um, sometimes it's too many of the young kids, too many young kids moves, or sometimes it's, it's slowed down because the older guys are doing their things. The young kids are sitting there just antsy, wanting to do something. Yeah, this one really was a point where um, everybody was able to do their thing. Anybody who was a fan of Billy had something to look at. Anybody who had, you know, an Axton fan had something to look at, so on and so forth. So I was really happy with this match, and I'm always happy when I can see the old rock and roll. So even if I can just see half, it was cool. It's always nice seeing uh, seeing Ricky out there putting his kid over. Yeah. And um, I know this is kind of dumb, but um, I would like to see Kerry Morton with Brian Pillman. I think for some reason they would work together. I don't know how, but they have the look and they have a feel. And I feel like for some reason, I know we don't have to go hard on it. It's just that popped in my head. I don't know why. Maybe it's a mullet thing. I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the mullet and they're like the sons of really good famous wrestlers back in the time that yeah. you enjoyed wrestling. So ah, I could see that. Yeah, man. That's that's what I have to say about this one. I, I was really happy um, this didn't drag, and I was really happy that everybody got their spots in there, man. Well, happy. Being a Rock and Roll Express fan, you were even more happier with the outcome as Axton Ray, Carrie, and Ricky Morton end up with the victory when Axton Ray hits uh, the neckbreaker onto Chris Hamrick for the victory. And here's where another little fun spot I love seeing was uh, Jordan's interaction with Chris at the end where Chris is uh, on top of the ropes and getting all the cheers and love. And you just see Jordan kind of like loading up that sweet chin music. And Karen, <laughs> like Chris is like, he gets down. He's not even like looking at or acknowledging Jordan at all. Jordan's still loading up. He's like, hey, hey, turn around. And like, so Chris like barely turns around and Jordan's like goes for the fake kick. And then stops and like Chris is like, oh wow, you really scared me there. Like barely like wipe that, wipe that his eyebrow and like he's like, oh, I was so scared. All right, come on, kid, let's get out of the ring. It's time for the next match. And he holds the the ring open for Jordan. Jordan's like, I'm out of here. And then halfway through, as Jordan got out and was straddling the rope, like Chris Emmerich lifted the ring up and hit Jordan. Like I love that. That's the kind of stuff I love seeing. Like I love how like that's just GCW mixing in. Like we talk about like. We want death matches, we get death matches. We want good technical, we get technical. We got high flyers, we got high flyers. We want a nice comedy match, here's the comedy match. Like, they do everything, every show. Like, as you said, in this match, there was something for everybody, no matter what wrestler, wrestler you liked, and no matter what kind of genre of wrestling you like, GCW always will deliver at some point throughout that night. And that's that's why I'm just a huge GCW fan, because they, they just mix it all in and hit on every single time. For our fifth matchup of the evening, we have some more tag team action as SGC, the second gear crew, Ants Warner and Matthew Justice go against The Revolt. 
And the revolt consists of Caleb with a K, Conley, and Zane Riley. And I haven't really seen much of the revolt as a team. I've seen Caleb more on impact. Zane, I'll be honest, I don't think I've seen much at all. So I was kind of interested to see what uh, Caleb could do in the ring because I've seen him wrestle an impact as kind of like a more comedy gimmick where he's a manager that gets beat up. I haven't really seen him go go um, on the wrestling scene. So this was kind of exciting for me to see how Caleb would go in a <laughs> match, especially against SGC. What was your thoughts on this match, John? So SGC comes out to streamers, which is refreshing. My streamers people, thank you so much. I love streamers. Giving and receiving love from the crowd like only G uh, SGC gets. I just thought that was fantastic. Uh, I wrote down here that I came in with no expectations for the revolt. I had no idea, or if I had seen them, this is another set of wrestlers where I may have seen them and I just don't remember sort of situation. Uh, what I did notice right off the bat was that Zane is big. I put down here that after a couple minutes, he was a very capable Haas for his size. I noticed uh, it took about three minutes and then Mance was tagged in and it became beer time tag team drinking had commenced i don't believe caleb is much of a drinker i think admittedly he said i don't drink and i think they tried to find someone who had a white claw or something <laughs> like that out in the crowd but uh yeah it took just a little bit of time and then boom we're out into the floor to the floor out in the crowd sgc split screens up which is hey. you know the beautiful thing uh justice uses a fan's crutch as a weapon right after that i put dot 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 it's a party now that's the that's how sgc yeah. rolls i'm surprised <laughs> they waited that long for the beer i'm surprised they waited that long for the crutch like i saw the crutch earlier in the night and i was like <laughs> someone is going to use it and like i like i kind of forgot what was on the card and then like sgc came out like right away i'm like justice is absolutely going to use that Crutch. I don't remember who used it, but I was like, I think Justice is going to use that crutch. Like, there's no way that guy's going to go leaving the arena with two crutches. Yeah, this this whole thing though was fairly evenly matched. It was a good wrestling match too. I put down here again. Holy shit, we have tables in GCW, <laughs> and I was really looking forward to seeing how SGC was going to be putting one of these guys through that table. Funny thing, it didn't happen that way. Caleb had a dive outside the ring and actually put both members of SGC through that table. So right after that, we had this is awesome chance. The crowd was not sad. So <laughs> it was just GCW chance all night. This is awesome chance kept coming in. The one thing for me that ended up being the most violent spot that I almost had to turn my head for was the um, gummy bears. <laughs> I loved I it. I couldn't fucking do it, man. Uh, that's tough. Between that and the Legos, I don't know which one I'd rather take, man, to be honest with bro, you. Bro, <laughs> I covered my kid's eyes. I'm like, bro, you can't watch it. He's like, I'm 17, Dad. I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> oh, so much violence. But yeah, two tables came out. There was gummy bears in this. I wrote down that the Revolt is a solid team. I would like to see them again. I'm not going to complain. They show up on the card. Now I know what the hell I'm looking forward to, and, and I definitely want to see them again. Yes, I would put them in part of the groups like how they were doing um, in the Northeast when they had uh, like the Providence run and New York run where they had waves and curls and they had um, the main event and stuff like that. Like they've been bringing in some awesome tag teams that usually aren't GCW ones. And this yeah. was another one where, like I said, I was kind of interested because I've seen Caleb. I haven't really seen Zane and I don't think I have seen the revolt. I don't know. But like you said, it's kind of one of those ones. Maybe I saw him once and forgot. It's just 
maybe it's been a while, but I was kind of interested. And as, as soon as I saw Zane, I immediately thought was going to be you calling him a hoss too. Cause like, oh, yeah. then, then I thought for sure you would bring up like, oh, we want to see him and Crash Jackson again. Cause like, I think those two, like going off at you, how you like your hosses. That's where my yes. thinking was when I first saw this guy. Well, when I first saw him, I'm like, let's see how he could go in the ring. And then like right away, I'm like, okay, he could go in the ring. Like he's not just a big dude. He could go. And I loved yep. it. And like, yeah, I remember, I am a fan of the revolt. I definitely would not mind seeing them come back in. I would like to see even like when GCW's with all these tag teams, maybe like do like a quick little mini tournament of like these tag teams, like the main event waves and curls, like non GCW people, like do a little tournament to kind of see who would be the next in line for a tag champion. I know it's an, almost impossible to do, but that's what where my mind was going during this. Cause I'm like, man, they just keep on bringing in these, I'm not going to say no names, but not, um, not well-known names to the everybody. And they're, the tag team that they're bringing in has just been killer. And I would just love to see maybe all of them go at it. And like, I want to see more of them keep on bringing in these awesome tag teams. Yeah. And our winner in this match ended up being SGC with a splash through a table onto Zane Riley. So was, yeah, it was just an excellent match overall. I don't, I just went to the winner because honestly, I don't know what, you know, what more to say about it. It was just a beautiful SGC match. And I want to see the revolt again, damn it. Yeah, they uh, SGC <laughs> has found a formula that has worked for them, and I don't see it not working in the near future. As you were saying in the beginning, like they always get the crowd cheering and stuff like that. I was thinking too when you were saying that, I'm like, what is it going to take for the fans to turn on SGC? Or that's oh, a turn, but maybe start booing them and stuff? Because, like, I, I got I, it. Okay, I'm going to see if you're thinking the same thing. Fucking over Effie. Okay, I think that's that in that in that uh, in that Moxley match, I think Effie's about to close it out. The fans are like, ah, and then all of a sudden, out of the crowd comes SGC. They spoil the shit. Over. And yeah. then who knows? I don't know, but I I mean, it would have to be big. It yeah. Have to be big, and they would have to be involved with some sort of face because it seems like no matter what SGC uh, SGC does in a match, um. Even if they're playing a heel, they still get cheers at the end. They're they're too freaking lovable. It's so hard. There would have to be a true storyline, and right now that's just not happening. Yeah, that's what so. I thought too. Is like uh, that's what I was thinking. Like, what is it going to take for the crowd to turn on them or SGC to get the booze? And I was thinking Nick Gage. Like maybe they cost Nick Gage over. And, yes, but yes. Effie actually kind of makes more of a sense because Effie's more SGC than they teamed with Nick Gage as MDK, but MDK is. With the SGC, but they, he doesn't interact with SGC as much as Effie does. So I think, yeah, as you're right, that would be, I could, they could easy play it off with Vance Warner costing Effie the match. Like, hey, I'm the one who just wrestled on national TV. Why are you getting the title shot kind of thing? Or Justice, like, why am I, I'm out here killing myself, jumping off ledges and getting CTE with these chair shots nonstop. Like, what am oh, I going to yeah. get my title shot? The kind of thing. I got one. I got one. So what I'm thinking is maybe, um, maybe SGC goes, you know what? We've got a new guy named Manders and he's damn good. And he's always here for us. He doesn't have another tag team. Hint, hint. Yep. You know, he doesn't have all of these things. What he has is us. He has SGC and he's damn good. And we're proud of him. And we're just letting you know, um, we have a new number three and you're not it. Yeah. And just somewhere in there, I think would be kind of a cool little. Yeah. yeah that was just my thought. I was going through the SGC. No, no, no. I think they're both great thoughts. I think they're great thoughts. 
But yeah, I just I thought it was a nice little speculation. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention here, because we're kind of in between this match and the next match, was there was no intermission. So I wanted to mention that there was this cleanup sponsorship <laughs> that was on there. I really did like that a lot. And I just want to say, in case anyone does hear it, I would also like to see maybe if they could throw the Patreon up there so that more members know about Patreon. I'm going to tell you this. I've been a Patreon member now for quite a while. I mean, months upon months upon but i will let you know that it took me really listening closely to kg one night to know that there wasn't a, a gcw patreon so i do want you to know that if you guys put it up there there's a good damn chance that people will um sign up yeah I would, I just, more the merrier i i agree with you too because that's what i was just about to say when you were talking about the patreon where i think that's kg's thing like because obviously kg will sprinkle it in here and there but it's still very sporadic okay, when yeah. they do it and with no uh with no kg at this show obviously they didn't make any mention to it but i think that they said that's a great thing because the patreon is fun like we we always every time we get our things in the mail like hey what did you get today what did you get like who's who signed your postcard who signed yours like i love that kind of stuff yeah exactly like and then like once a month if you're on like the game changer like how we are we get like shirts and got a freaking uh not as you see a gcw frisbees like you're never gonna find that anywhere else like they got a lot of cool stuff that they give you out monthly and um you get to check out the podcast you get to hear the inner workings when brett talks with kg about um, or answering the mail sack. They answer a lot of fans' questions. They used to. They haven't done it in recent months. Uh, the history of GCW, where they talk about like what happened at Two Cup stuff and uh, the injuries and like what happened and stuff like that. They do a lot of very good scenes where they do the history and stuff like that. I, that's why I was really interested in the Patreon because I'm a history kind of buff with GCW. Like I want to know anything and everything about it. So I loved hearing these little stories that as a fan in person or even watching, I wouldn't be able to see it because it all happens behind the scenes and stuff like that. I like to hear the challenges that Brett has putting these cars together, getting the workers to work together, working with these promotions and stuff. I just love hearing the history of it. And the Patreon's a very fun place. And um you get to sponsor even Jimmy Lloyd. You got to get to sponsor a child and yes. Jimmy Lloyd and yeah. let him eat. Someone's got to pay for his cheeseburgers and stuff at McDonald's. So I, mm-hmm. I do like the Patreon. I, I think they could uh, still add some more content on a more regular basis as kind of what it announced. But it's GCW. Like while they might be behind on stuff or fall behind, they definitely make up for it when it's time for them to make up for it. And they make you feel like special when you get these packages from patreon like i, I think they just said they're sending one out the other day so i'm waiting to actually like i'm waiting and checking my mail now because of that other than that i don't really want to check my mail i want to get the gcw stuff yeah you know on my end i really 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 love it i look forward to whatever comes out we always kind of hit each other up when it's time for a podcast hey do you know you hear the new clone steven a you know yeah or hey you know but the one thing i want to say for sure that um I think does make sense in the Patreon realm is the fact that if you need something, you can get a hold of them over there, uh, Patreon related or whatnot. And KG or somebody usually will get back to you very soon. The other thing that I think is important is that as much as, as Brett can, he doesn't bullshit an answer as much as he can. He will give you the best answer that he can. So if someone has a hard question, he's generally more than willing to give a hard answer. And I honestly respect that because it's not easy. And I've heard a couple of times where uh, normally somebody wouldn't say this or somebody wouldn't say that maybe because um, 
you know, they're touchy about this or that, but there's a lot of half answers in business. And he's one of the few people that I've heard in wrestling that doesn't give me half answers. So I appreciate that too, when it comes to Lauderdale, he's, he's really good with the Patreon members and making sure he takes care of, uh, uh, uh takes care of us for taking care of them. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I love to be a part of the Patreon and stuff like that. Also, like when I get to go to shows like in LA or Vegas, uh, we usually get to cut in the line, go first in. We're one of the first ones in too. So that's another positive of uh, being a GCW Patreon. They have different levels of different stuff to get, but I know me and you are like the top one. So we get like all the fun stuff, but it is fun. It's a nice, another way to support it while still getting GCW content. Uh, just kind of like how we're providing with the podcast. They have the the regular podcast you got like as you said the world of death match with Stephen a and um alex cologne and it's very interesting i think it's super interesting hearing alex cologne talk about um all the death match stuff because who else <laughs> who else do you want to hear from speak about all the craziness that yeah. he's seen because he's seen a lot of stuff and um Stephen a asked a lot of uh interesting and tough questions that make you think too so it's, it's definitely worth it please check out the p- patreon please check out gcwmerch.com as they uh, clean up the ring and uh, they get ready for the next match. For the sixth matchup of the evening, we have a six-way scramble as it's a lot of local talents from the Charlotte area. We have Bojack, B-Boy, who actually is from the West Coast, Diego Hill, Jimmy Lloyd, Lucky Ali, and White Mike. And going into this match, I was excited to see all the new talents. And uh, I know you had it in your notes too, but I thought I had the exact same thought was it was very nice seeing B-Boy somewhere other than the West Coast and especially over here out in the East Coast. It was very nice seeing B-Boy being able to travel with uh, GCW and get some more matches in in different locations other than the LA area. What were your thoughts on all the new talents and the craziness of this six-way scramble? Okay, so there was really so many new people to me here that it was just really, uh, you know, it was a lot to take in at one time. First of all, I will cover B-Boy because that's just, you know. Okay, B-Boy in Atlanta, fuck yeah. Another East Coast uh, city for B-Boy to take down. It's always a treat, so it's a real treat on the East Coast. Uh, White Michael comes out in two different items of clothing with leopard print. I automatically knew he was probably going to be the most entertaining one or the most theatrical (laughs) one in the evening. Um, Lloyd came out to some great cheers. So, you know, we always know that's going to happen with Lloyd. I just wanted to mention that because I didn't want to not mention it. Bojack came out to Bojack chance. So I've never seen him. I was looking forward to him. I was really just, uh, I was starting to believe the hype already. So I just, yeah, yeah, Bojack. I'm yep. like, oh shit, who is this guy? Um, yeah, go ahead, man. No, same thing. As soon as I first saw him, I was like, okay, that's a big boy. And then I know yeah. you probably had the same thoughts. I was like, all right, we got to see him and Tankman go at it. Like that, that was my original thought. Yeah. I was like, and then I put him, of course, in the Haas scramble that we, that you always kind of want to see him. Like, yeah, he could be a nice fit in that Haas scramble with Calvin Tankman and Crash, uh, Crash Jackson and uh, some oh, yeah. other big guys. So this is the other thing too, was that I didn't know, maybe this is maybe for further on, but I didn't know if there was possibly an injury for Bojack or possibly Bojack is just very green or just, you know, not green, but newer. Um, Maybe he had an injury, but there were a couple of times where Bojack had a couple slips. Otherwise I could say he's one of those guys where he just needs to have some more reps in the ring. 
And I think he'll be ready to take a bigger stage. I really like who he is. I like the BoJack chant. He seems like he has a decent personality. So I think that, I mean, I see him and Tankman as damn near similar size, looks, weight, the whole nine. So I could see both of those facing off against each other. They're just two to three years apart in uh, experience. Yeah, Bojack's only 22, I'm looking up here, and has had a total of 116 matches. But wow. at such young age that you can only tell he's only going to get better and better. Like, he actually was moving a lot more fluid around the ring than I was kind of expecting when I first saw a man that size. I think that's what blows my mind with Tankman is a man that size, how fluid they are in the ring and how much they move and how agile they are, too. Like, I always like seeing the agile hosses. And like yes. Bojack could definitely be added to one of them. And like you said, I would like to see get get a little bit. Maybe it's also big match jitters. It's probably the biggest match he had uh, in the biggest platform that he's had too on the indie scene. So probably some pre-match jitters there. But like you said, he was a little slip ups, but nothing that I don't think that could be easily fixed and probably not even easily fixed or just jitters and it happens. And I definitely want to see more yeah. of him and uh, hopefully Tankman in a GCW ring someday. Yeah, I really didn't count it against him. I yeah, just nope, wanted to way. mention it because I could say that, I mean, it was just part of the match. So I wanted to make sure I put something there. Yeah, your notes and my notes kind of came close together when it came, came to uh, Bojack's youth, really making him or keeping him agile. Yep. I mean, that's just the benefits of him being a hoss at his age, I think is really what's keeping him in a good spot there. I hope he really keeps with it. Yeah, I really do, because otherwise he ends up just being a big old rock. And that's where sometimes it could be the death of the Haas. So I really wrote down here the same thing we were just talking about, where he needs a couple years of seasoning before we actually see the full capabilities of who he is. Also, I think he has uh, some good crowd interaction. I think that a couple more years on him will definitely improve that even more. If he sticks with that, you know, we're going to have a Kevin Owens situation where he's just yelling out, pissing off people in the ring. Yeah, I, uh, I'd like to see that out of him. Uh, there was a moment where Diego jumped on Bojack's shoulders and he did like a twisting dive outside of the ring onto all the other men in the match. Incredible. Diego also had a corkscrew tope con hilo outside of the ring. This Diego guy, they really did. They, they really focused on him quite a bit throughout this uh, scramble. Yeah. It was, just, it was just incredible. They all looked impressive. Like all those new names. Like um, I've seen a little of Lucky Ali, not too much of them. Diego Hill, I have never seen. Bojack, I never saw. White Mike, I never saw. So with all four, let's say pretty much four new names to this six-way scramble that I've never really seen, um, I thought they killed it. And with B-Boy and Jimmy Lloyd in there, I thought those, as we kind of always go back to, especially with younger talent, you need that older talent to kind of keep things on the rails and stuff like that. I was very impressed. And I did not feel like I was watching a bunch of new names. Like, I like I don't how do I explain it? Like, the match did not feel like, oh, my God, it's a bunch of rookies in there just kind of going crazy and just not having fluidity. Like the whole match seemed like a normal GCW scramble match where we got all the high spots. Everyone got their uh -huh. stuff in. And for the most part, it was pretty clean looking and looked like no one's got out of sorts of like where they're supposed to be and everything of like how the match was uh, supposed to progress throughout the, or throughout the match. It's like everybody's in the right spots, did the right moves. And Yes, there were a couple like didn't fully connect on a kick or as we see later with Bojack's backflip, like he, you can kind of see he does like a double hesitation. But I just think those are all like minor things, that, as you noted, that could be fixed. And I think with a little bit more seasoning to all the four of those competitors that I've never seen in a GCW ring, I, I would 
very much look forward to the next time they're in uh uh not in atlanta where was this one at um charlotte i think it was yeah yeah charlotte um I would like to see them run it back next time they go to Charlotte because a little bit, a couple months, even more seasoning. I think it'll be a fantastic match again. Um, I had a really fun time listening to White Michael just talk. He was one <laughs> of those people. Like in our local area, we have Songbird over there in FSW. Yep. He reminded me of that where basically what he was saying was so fun and entertaining. It was actually overshadowing the match that was going on. Yeah. So I wanted to mention there aren't a few, there aren't many wrestlers like that out there. So I just wanted to say kudos to him because I really do love that flair for someone who can do that. But I, I tried not to write too many spots in this one because there were just so many spots. Um, the last word I'm going to use, the last time I'm going to use spots is right here. Uh, all six men earned theirs. Yes. Absolutely earned theirs. I also wrote down here that I think Diego would fit nicely in GCW. And I really strongly believe that he would be one where I think that he could fit into a, you know, a show scramble easily and not have a problem entertaining everyone who sees it. Yeah, I like I said, there wasn't one any one of those I like I want to see again. I want to find out where their local promotions are. It looks like I see like some of them on cage match or uh, the uh, DPW and stuff like that. I definitely want to go out of my way and see some more of Kojak or Kojak, <laughs> Bojack. I want to see them yeah. grow. I want to see Diego Hill grow as a performer. That's where I kind of yes. like fall in love with a lot of these GCW wrestlers were like Axel Ray. Oh, he's awesome. I want to go out and check him out. I want to watch his growth, not just in GCW, but seeing the growth outside because we might not see them in GCW again for a while. And next time we see them, they're going to be like, whoa, like four months later, they're like, took that next step. And I want to see how they got to that next step and see them grow. So I'm definitely will be checking out some more of Bojack, uh, Diego Hill, Jim, uh, not Jimmy Luke, Lucky Ali and uh, white Mike for sure. I definitely am going to check out the more of what they have to offer in their uh, own home promotions as well. And we do have a winner of this match as Bojack, as I was saying, he went for uh, a moonsault, but he could kind of see he went up top and kind of like, Bent down to get the backflip, but then they kind of hesitated and then like didn't reset or didn't take his time. Just kind of went yeah. right into it again and kind of threw off the timing where White Mike was like, oh, God, he's going to hesitate. Maybe I should move and try to move it out of the way. Uh, Bojack does end up kicking him on his back. But <laughs> how I played it out in my head was with that size of a man doing a backflip from that height, landed on my back. I think that would be enough for uh, Bojack to get the three count on me as well. So he didn't fully connect it, but got enough of it where I he picked up the victory. But like you said, I'm not going to let those little slip ups because they weren't. I don't think they were mental. I think it was all just physical and that shit's going to happen in wrestling. It wasn't like, oh, I totally missed the spot and didn't know what to do. It's like just physically you did. It wasn't quite there, but I definitely want to see some more of all those competitors, especially Bojack with uh, Calvin Tankman. Heading into our seventh match of the evening, we have Effie welcoming. Go, uh, sorry, not welcoming. Going against George South. And uh, I'll let you kind of kind of take over this one more because you know more George South than I do. So uh, I'll kind of just piggyback off of you. And I kind of want to learn some more stuff from, uh, from George South, because like you said at the beginning, you had a lot of knowledge on him that I had no idea. So I'd like to I'm going to kind of sit back here and learn and uh, ask some questions this time. Okay, so I don't know no like a huge, huge, huge amount. So what I will tell you is this. When I was growing up, the one thing that you would always see 
in these wrestlers was they look like they were guys who were in their 40s, sometimes their 50s. These are people that you would meet at a bar that if you pissed off, you, you wouldn't want to have to meet them outside somewhere. Um, all of them look like they were, you know, grisly and strong and they've seen hard times and, you know, and they've earned their keep in life. So it was really cool to see somebody like George South come out because he had that almost like that uh, Vietnam veteran kind of a tough to him, that, that biker tough that, you know, you would see if a, if a whole uh, gang comes into town somewhere, but um, I really just enjoyed it. I was gushing from the get go. What's up, brother? I was going to say, did you say like uh, when we, when the introduction happened before the show, I mean, sorry, but George South, did he wrestle for WCW? Did I hear you correctly with that? Like early, Early in the nineties or no? Uh, oh my theory. gosh. I have to go back into okay. the archives and find out off the top of my head. Like what promotions um, did he wrestle? I'm for? sure off the top of my head I'm gonna say NWA. NWA. Okay. And I'm pretty sure he's probably done some mid south. Cool. And don't don't hold me to it because oh my gosh, there's so <laughs> many. Like if you ask me right now, you know, tell me each four horsemen where they've been to and i'm gonna say oh god okay arn anderson uh and i'm probably gonna rail off nwa wcw wwf wwe you know what i mean like i've kind of got them in buckets but i'll tell you there's going to be more than those two promotions a hundred percent okay he he definitely was in the you know quote unquote and i say it lovingly the mud show territory (laughs) so i mean but i put out i'm gonna put it out like i like I wrote it down because it's just so much easier. And a lot of the words that I wrote about George South, I also posted on Twitter because I kind of felt that this was, this was something where I haven't seen him in a long time. And I had the feeling like I had back in the eighties where you see this tough old bastard who has nothing else to go on, but he just wants to kick the shit out of someone and ruin their day too. And, uh, (laughs) it's just, it's lovely to see somebody that doesn't look like a movie star. Um, you know, somebody that looks like they've had s- some more wounds, but, um, yeah, so here we go. I have that, uh, welcome to the jungle place and outcome. Good old George South. He is 59 years old. I did like the, uh, the old school rough look that he had. He looks like he's seen some wars was what I wrote down. <laughs> I did say that I wrote everything. I love everything about George. He's very old school. I was raised with this kind of heel. He's highly interactive with the fans. He started calling people idiots, drunks, calling people fat. I really thought it was hilarious. I love the old school heat. I think it was great. They used to do this back in the day all the time. Someone would come in the ring. They'd grab a microphone. Uh, The Dudleys were probably one of the last bastions of that, one of the last waves of those performers that would usually grab the mic and just stir up the crowd to a point to where it was almost boiling. Yeah. And um, so I love to see that because there's not a lot of performers that do that today uh, and or do it that well and or do it that old school style. You know, so he was truly, he was truly Southern in the way that he had, you know, I love Jesus patch on his, uh, on his side there. And then I think he had another one, a John three sixteen patch, I believe. So you have this guy out here and you go, Oh, you know what? He's actually looks like to me, a Christian guy, really nice guy. He's tough, but he's got that on his, you know, his, uh, leather jacket there. So, I mean, I, uh, that was so South man, even the tough talkers go to church on Sunday. You know, (laughs) that's what I was looking at there. But, uh, yeah, I really liked how he was collecting that old school heat. You could tell him the whole time the 
background, like Effie and Emil were really loving it, yes. but also Effie for, I think for TV purposes or what, you know, he was obviously trying to put the train back on the rails, yep. but honestly, George at his level, as much of a veteran as he is, he can take as much time as he wants. So I think, you know, Effie's going, okay, pay attention to me. Pay attention. You can even see there's a yep. point where he goes, come on me. And, um, yeah, it didn't it didn't didn't work, man. He didn't he didn't get back to him. Yeah, I, I agree. I like everything you said there, like I saw it too, where like they were loving it, but then it's like, okay, this is kind of going into our match time here. Like we yeah, this ain't the old school, like, yeah, just because we're not on TV, like national TV, we still got a time crunch to hit here, man. You can't just keep on going and going and going. And like you could tell they were enjoying it. But while also, yeah. as you said, FP's like, hey, we gotta get this going we got to get back on the rails here let's let's tell what you're trying to get the heat let's tell that in the match instead of just on the mic and we, i think everyone's was trying to also avoid another maybe blake situation where they start just oh. booing him and they, they don't even want to see him wrestle well it was fantastic though because i mean it was to a point to where george south was kind of just going around the ring going you yeah. you <laughs> you fuck you fuck you i mean he shits on emil Gets on Elm Tennessee, the worst he's ever seen. You know, he tells Effie that Effie gives gay people a bad name. That was just hilarious because, you know, in a time where people wouldn't say things like that, he says it and it wasn't horrible. It was just for heat. But that brought out the fuck you chance from the crowd. And I could honestly say from that point, George really did his job. Ultimate heat. Uh, at some point, the, uh, the crowd was really taking even George's attention away. And that's when Effie went up real quick and snatched that mic away from him because Effie was primarily just trying to get the show back on track and yeah. back on the road. Uh, but I wrote here really that George doesn't work with a TV timetable yeah. in his head. And a hundred percent, I think that works. Uh, the heat came and he worked hard for it. Honestly, from where he's from, if that guy needs to talk shit for 15 minutes, he will because the overall product will, will be better for it. And back then, I mean, like I said, Ric Flair could go for 60 minutes for crying out loud. If the heel wants to draw heat, let him go talk shit about someone's fat wife for 10 or 15. It, it was just, it was fantastic, man. Yeah, I like I, I enjoyed the beginning. I was interested to see, because like I said, I don't know too much of George. I didn't know anything, too, not even too much. I didn't even know anything of George South. I, yeah. I, all I understood was that he was a, a legend and I didn't go out of my way to find out why. So that's my fault. But that's why I was like, oh, let's see. Like, you seem to know a lot about it. Like, I want to listen to you to kind of do all that and educate me because I learned a lot of stuff what you were saying there. And I think his promo wise kind of reminded me, and I'm going to go back for my age here, kind of reminded me of like the Brooklyn Brawler when he'd come out before he yes. would go against people and like just shit on yes. the crowd. Like, his mannerisms and language felt like the Brooklyn Brawler. But then I kind of got scared uh, when, like, as you said, when he brought up like, you bring. Gay, or you give gay people a bad name and all that stuff with Effie. Like, I, I, that threw me back to a, the Tracy Smothers when Tracy Smothers wrestled yes. against, I think, uh, Joey Janella was. And like, he was saying some questionable stuff there. I'm like, dude, you can't say that nowadays. <laughs> like, I get like you have the old school wrestling mentality, but it is the year. This one was 2022. I think the one that was Tracy's mother's, I was like earlier, like 2021 or 2020, when uh, he he was saying a bunch of questionable stuff too before his match with Joey. But in the same fashion, he's saying all that stuff where he's going like way overboard just to get that extra heat on him for the match. And it's like right before the match started, you see them reach for that little bit of extra heat to get that match started hot. And you now have Effie starting the match off getting... uh hitting the punches and starting the match. And I think it gave a hot start to the match 
through a promo instead of just doing high spots and stuff like that, which was, as you said, a very old school feel. And yeah, I see, I felt a lot of Brooklyn brawler with uh, watching George South. Wow. That's really cool that you mentioned that. I was really, that, uh, that was a great connection, man. I mean, legit. Um, I think George South is a time capsule. And so that was why um, I really enjoyed it was because I could have taken his exact performance, you know, done it 35 years ago. I mean, the exact performance 35 years ago, and it would have felt exactly the same. And I think that was the nostalgia portion of it. This guy knows exactly what he's doing. I can guarantee you he's been doing that same thing for quite a long time. Um, but I would love to see more people study that style. There's not a lot of wrestlers that can get that type of heat today, that style. I couldn't name off the top of my head more than maybe three to five performers that could get heat like that if they just applied themselves on the microphone. I also wonder with the way things are now with fans and how uh, people are a little more touchy about how things are said and done, if a real heat kind of guy could come out and do that. George South was doing the heat thing that men have done for 40, 50, 60, 70 years when they go out into that ring. And now it's a touch more touchy. Yeah. You know, and I'm not, I don't name everything he's saying or doing in this, in this match, but I mean, yeah, it, it borders on that line. You can see people kind of get a little edgy sometimes, yep. but um, that's what I was yeah. saying with the Tracy's mother. Like that just threw me back to then where Tracy's mother was saying questionable stuff before the match. I'm like, still got a yeah. match to go here, dude. Like you can't like, you don't want the crowd to absolutely <laughs> shit on you. Like, get the heat, but you say something too much where it's going to affect possibly the match and something else happens, especially in a GCW ring or match when you're going to be outside with those fans. So, like I said, when he brought yeah. up that kind of stuff, that was the same thing you said. Like, ooh, that might be a little too touchy. Where I was <laughs> like, ooh, let's see what happens. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was really funny when Effie was trying to get everything back on track. Finally, it kind of took place when he says, fight me, you old yep. man. And I thought that he handled it in a very comical manner. He handled it in fun. I think it was very creative the way he did it. He did it intelligently so that it wasn't one of these weird, awkward moments. You could tell that he was looking at him going, okay, let's get the damn thing back on track. Yeah. But, uh, it took only two minutes, and this thing went right to the outside of the ring. The crowd the entire time is up George's ass because of all the heat he worked so hard to get. I absolutely loved it. There was a part in the crowd i don't i don't know if the crowd said it or if george south said it but i heard overheard quote jimmy valiant would still fuck you up <laughs> now for me being somebody who's you know was raised on valiant that was hilarious knowing that he just had his i think 80th birthday don't quote oh, me wow. about a couple weeks ago but um george got busted real quick on his forehead and arm with his own baseball bat so i thought that was really you know nice of him to at least Get busted with his own equipment. I like how he brought out the old, like, GC, uh, not GCW, the old, like, barbed wire baseball bat from, like, the, the video games and stuff like that. Like, I don't, I don't think I've seen a barbed wire bat. Oh, maybe Moxie probably brought brings it out every once in a while. But it was nice seeing an old school wrestler kind of bringing out yeah. an old school weapon. I like seeing that. Yeah, you know what's funny is he's not even trying. That's literally his thing. That's what I love oh, okay. about that, you know? Yeah, so... Um, the funny thing, I listened to Effie's podcast, Weekend at Effie's, I believe it's called. Yep. Yeah, so I listened to that when I have the chance, and there was a point where Effie was talking about the fact that George South ripped his fishnets, and he was talking about how he was really surprised how much heat 
people get for riffing his fishnets. And he said it's just it's it's easier to get his fishnets ripped than it is to sit there and wrestle for three minutes yeah. because the crowd is just acknowledging it on such a level. And I think Cage, this was go like I know that, it's not totally off track, but this goes back to when we talk about KG and like the littlest of things that he says and brings up adds a lot to the match. And where I remember, I think it was the match against John Moxley where Moxley was going after the fishnets. And I, I think even think you were the one who mentioned it because in your notes said like he's ripping off their protect protective shield from Epi as the, yep. those shields being the fishnets. Like I like how even like that little comment from that now gets heat when they go for the fishnets on Effie. So yep. I just think that adds like that shows how important good commentary could be and how much they could add to a story where just uh, the simple fact of a heel going after a piece of clothing that doesn't affect anything on the match. It's not like they're going after the Luchador's <laughs> mask or they're going off of like, or something like they're going for fishnets on a leg that will not affect that wrestler in any fashion. But because KG made that one comment, now other fans that are educated and listen, they could pick up on that little thing and like, oh, let's give more heat to the wrestlers. Another easy way for Effie's opponents to get heat as well. So I just loved how, like, I like how you mentioned it. I, I just brought me back to like, I think that the reason why is because of KG's comment. Oh, yeah. And it, yeah, this is a Cardona effect. After you see George five times, 10 times, the GCW crowd, this is their kind of heel. I shit you not. If every GCW fan saw this show and what George South did, the next time George South comes out, we're going to do our best to chew him alive. I'm not kidding. Boy, <laughs> would it be good to see him back because of that reason alone. Yeah. Um, he reminds me of Gypsy Joe. I'm so sorry to ever oh. say that, but a, a really tough, grizzled man who can just take it. He can still take it. Um, honestly, the run up to the match was actually longer than the match itself. This was right. a 10 minute match, and I'm not kidding. The 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 debacle, the fiasco, all the fun shit that was really. Uh, you know, the meat of the match was probably 10, 11, 12 minutes, I think, you know, overall. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I think it was a great brawl. I was really surprised, but I kind of wasn't surprised that Effie ended up winning this with a sack rider. Yeah. So, yeah, by the way, our winner of this match was Effie <laughs> with a sack rider. But, yeah, I enjoyed George's style, totally old school. I would really like to see someone like a John Wayne Murdoch. Um, a Kevin Owens, um, an MJF style person take on George's style. Maybe, maybe, maybe just study the style and see how it's working for him. I a hundred percent can tell you it's somewhat of a simple style. You just have to be almost more direct with the fans than you would now, because now if you're kind of more direct with the fans, it can be personal. Yeah. So that's why sometimes I would almost say it's cool to have GCW fans and be a heel, but there are some companies where being a traditional heel these days is downright freaking dangerous. Yeah. And I know there were dangers back then too. So, I mean, we just have slightly different dangers here and there. Um, the, the, I like the point where the bat was stuck he put the bat into the side of that ring there and it stuck. And I just thought it was fucking poetry. I'm an art person. I love everything that goes along with wrestling. And this to me was just, I mean, I would have been snapping pictures of that shit. That's going to go in that dude's fucking history book. So are you talking about Beautiful. like at the end of the match, how it was standing up like straight up and down on the outside of the ring. So yeah. that was complete accident. He didn't put it there. That's he was. Yeah. Hoping, yeah. 
So he was holding on to the bat as he took the sack rider and it landed that way. And that brings me to like, how you said wow. like that, the, the chances of him trying to do that ever again is never going to happen. And I, I, I had that in my notes on this match was like, I loved how the bat stuck out because that now I was going to ask if you, maybe you saw, let's say like uh SummerSlam where Brock was on his tractor cutting the, uh, yes. doing his entrance and he tossed the mic to Roman and how perfect oh, yep. Roman just caught it. Like, that was so freaking perfect. And like, they couldn't do that again if they tried. And then like nope. something else happened just right after that SummerSlam match. I can't remember it now. I should have wrote that notes. I wrote the Roman note, but I forgot what the other one was. But there was another situation where, oh, it was the the AEW. If you go to the coffin match where Brody Keen went against Darby Allen, how uh, Brody Keen got knocked into the coffin and the coffin, like as he fell into it, the coffin fell onto him by himself for the victory, like for Darby Allen. So oh, like wow. those little, these little timings are like now happening more and being caught on cameras or like even yes. if my fans cameras, which is awesome. Like that's the one good thing about all these people having cameras on their phones. Now you can see all these cool little moments because that was another moment. And I liked how sting also during that match, like went to toss the bat at Alistair, uh, Alistair back, um, Malachi Black, and, like, the bat landed perfectly right on to Malachi, too. It's like, I just love those little things, as you said, that bat, like, it just brought up to me. It was like, oh, I'm glad you caught that, too, because I was going to bring that in my notes, and I saw it on your notes as you got to. I was like, oh, good. I was going to talk about the bat landing. I just love seeing those little things that just add, yep. that could never be done again if someone tried. Well, I think... I think these things that we appreciate come with age because I would have been like 16. I'm like, Oh, cool. The bat hit. Yeah. Okay. Or right. I would have been like, Oh, you know, uh, Maki came out and, and sung a song, but you know, you turn 40, 45, 50, 60, you know, 30 <laughs> years old, even. And you start to think about things like history and legacy. And, you know, you grew up watching ECW and then you watch ECW age out in front of you and they get old. And then you start to have to live through the tapes. So I, I'm trying to think of a good way to put it, but when those moments happen, like Makito singing, or like when George puts that fucking bat in there and it's stuck, I mean, those are special moments. You get your camera, you appreciate them because they're one of a kind, and that's what you're there for is those one of a kind moments, and you can hope you're there for them. So, um, at the end of this match, the only other thing that I wanted to mention outside of the fact that Effie really was playing a good old school part, I appreciated it, was the fact that George is heading to the back, you know, he's kind of sore like anybody his age would. And you'll see that he goes right through the uh, curtains there at the end where everybody has their entrance and exit. And then you see Ricky Morton follow right behind him. And this kind of goes with the fact that I think about history and legacy. Um, George has been doing this since 1984. Ricky has been doing this since 1977. In less than three seconds, over 90 years of wrestling experience passed through those, those curtains. Yeah. Evening, our eighth match of the night, we have a tag team match as Team Thrussy of Alley Catch and Dark Sheik go against the Ugly Duckings consisting of Lance Lude and Rob Killjoy. Um, this was another fun match. Um, once I saw Effie, who had his match with um, George South, and I saw the Ugly Duckings and Alley Catch Dark Sheik, I was like, this had to be a good... I like how they're... It's kind of like SGC, where they're kind of like growing, of making a separate little stable or faction or fans. Yes. 
while still also being part of SGC. So now you got Dark Sheik joining Alley Catch and FB, and they started doing like their own little trios things and stuff like that. So I like Dark Sheik being able to uh, get in these matches with Alley Catch and FB and work as a tag team with those because I think she fits in real good. And um, as I think it was this yeah, this weekend was one of the best ones I've seen from Dark Sheik as well. Off coming off of Homecoming, which was like her phenomenal performances there as well. Uh, what were your thoughts on Team Thrusty and the Ugly Duckling Ducklings? <laughs> I really did think that Dark uh, Sheik was a great addition. Yes. I think she's she's a great person to put in this spot. I think that uh, she's going to hold her spot very well as the wrestler. I also think that Effie and Allie hopefully brings out a little more of the smile and a little more of the personality in dark chic so that we can possibly connect with her more Yep. because people really do connect with dark chic. They really enjoy the product. They enjoy the personality. So I would like to see more, um, more of that come out smiling more whatnot. And, and I know that might be somewhat against a dark character, but she's so over that it's like, why not smile for just a while? Change the clothes, which the black yep. and white getup was wonderful, by the way. I know she was proud of it, so I will say if she listens at all, that was an awesome getup. I hope we get to see that again. Um, it took me a second to figure out what Thirsty meant. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. I just wanted to say that just because I'm sitting there picking out holes and body parts. I'm like, okay, which one was it? <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead there, bud, because uh, I got to hear what you're wanting to say there. No, I was just going to say that. As you said, I, I feel the same way. I think Dark Sheik has found come like found a comfort zone for her. We're teaming with Effie and teaming with Alley Catch and seeing what they have been doing against all these other cool tag teams and other uh even on the one-on-one matches, I think she fits in right there perfectly. And you can, as you said, you can see her smiling and enjoying herself more. And I think it's because she has found a comfort zone with Ali Catch and Effie and that com- that's given her confidence. And I think I I'm seeing, I'm seeing the confidence in her in-ring action because of teaming with Ali Cat and uh, Effie where, like I said, homecoming, that was the best I've seen of her. I've, that was awesome. And this match was a good match, and I, I believe she wrestled in Atlanta too. And like, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, she definitely wrestled in Atlanta. Sorry, like I thought, like these last four events was kind of like her coming out party as a performer and feeling her comfort zone. Where I think comfort's a big part of wrestling. Where if you're not comfortable with what you could do to the ring, how the fans are going to accept it, you're not comfort of who you're going against or who you're teaming with. It affects your mentality, which could cause, as we see, like us on those. Uh, the six way, the scramble where little, little hiccups here, there, little like thoughts in your mind can ca- cause a little mess up where dark sheiks now coming into her own and it's, she's excelling. And I just love seeing her, as you said, smile and enjoy. You see, like she is enjoying and loving this. And I'm glad because she has definitely earned it over these last uh, two years that I've seen from her in GCW. Yeah, I think Dark Sheik's really solidified in GCW. I think this is going to be a situation where it would be a mistake if she left or it would be on purpose on her own accord that she left. Um, Otherwise, though, she's going to be around for a while, uh, you know, barring maybe being picked up by someone, which I may not be surprised by, honestly. Uh, Going over to the duckling side, I really thought it was cool that they came out quacking. I really thought that it's a very family-friendly, good-for-kids style that they have going on there. I think it would be really cool to see, you know, 100 kids out in the audience going quack, quack, quack. So (laughs) 
I thought the quacking was cool for that family crowd primarily. I I see why they do it. And I even saw there were a couple of times where both of the guys on the Ugly Ducklings were doing like uh, facial features and mouth things so that, you know, made them look ugly. Yeah. So I do I do appreciate that they stood in front of a mirror for quite a while and figured out how to look that way. But the feel good moment here was I don't know which one was it Lance or was it Rob that had just gotten over cancer? I I honestly forget as well. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. The point is, is it was a feel-good story that um, that he had kicked cancer's butt. So it was really good to see both of them back. The last time we'd seen them in GCW was January 31st of 2021. So it had been a fairly long time. But everything here when it came to the action... Oh, I'm sorry. Good. Go no, ahead. I was just saying, wow, like, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. I, I feel maybe because I just saw it more recently, but it doesn't feel like it's been almost over a year and a half since we've seen them in the GCW ring. Yeah, and I'm going to kind of segue into something just for fun. Um, this right here would be a time where I'd like to talk about something I put on Patreon, which was about having old videos or old matches being played during intermission. So I just wanted to make sure I'm clear on that because it's kind of a popular thing. I just wanted to kind of say why I asked about it on Patreon was because here come the ugly ducklings. Just like Los Macisos, they haven't been around a while. Quite a few of the fans now are newer fans because GCW's had quite a lot of growth in this last year. I would like to have seen possibly at intermission an old ugly ducklings match. Give me one of their bangers. So that when they quack out, uh, you know, right before the main event, uh, it gives us an idea to know who they are and what they're capable of. So when they're in the ring, we could even maybe see their growth. You know, how much better have they gotten since that highlight reel a year and a half ago? I'd love to know. Um, that's why I wanted to say that was because also there are some people who they're just sitting there alone and quiet and then they got to sit for 15 minutes, which kind of sucks a little bit. You know, you get a drink, you go pee, you get something in the microwave, there goes five to seven minutes or whatever. But um, I just wanted to make sure I kind of put that in there. And for some reason, this moment here with the ugly ducklings was a good re it just caught it brought it came up in my mind right now because the ducklings were a good point to where if I would have seen something just a little bit before for them um i would have been a touch more acclimated and it would have made the return possibly a little bit more touching to me personally i would i would have understood the story more yeah and i love like i i am a thousand percent with you especially for us fans at home i love watching like during the intermission like okay you can put the little timer in the bottom third or whatever while still showing a match like when the ones that come to my mind it goes back to the jimmy lloyd and g raver and they, it wasn't just matches, even though like they had like the four crazy matches. And I remember like the first match they had one on one was after uh, the G Raver. He got his arm cut up. And then like that match while they were setting up for the death match at the AC at the AC center showboat. Um, yeah. While the intermission was going on, they played the whole ladder match where G Raver got hurt and then it went into it like not only just showed that whole match it went into right from that moment they didn't even show the ending of the match they showed the moment G Raver got hurt he goes to the back and then it cuts to a vignette of Jimmy Lloyd sitting at home watching that match and stopping it at that point because now <laughs> it, it was such a well done video and vignette like as you said for intermissions like for like if nobody caught any of that you watch that intermission, and then next match is Jimmy Lloyd G. Raver. You are 
thousand percent invested in it and i've showed that to like yeah, people yeah. that i'm trying to get into gcw like when they say they oh i love death matches and i love great storytelling boom let me show you this whole story of g raver and jimmy lloyd and every single match i show them as they set up for the match it goes into intermission and you see a different video before each match that explains the story explains why they're going and i those people are like before the match starts like oh crap oh yeah g raver's gonna kick his ass for that it's like that's what you want these intermissions and those yep. vignettes is for those people to oh, 15 minutes i'm invested i'm in let me see it right now i agree a thousand percent with you so my this will be the last thing i say on this and this will probably be the last thing i i say i think for this match maybe i got a little more i think to say but um let's not think that we couldn't use that match also that replay as part of the show okay here's a good point um Maybe let's try to do two or three death matches a show. Let's do two. And let's just say this show, you know, you're only going to have one. And let's just say it was so-so. Or we just know there's a crowd that, you know, they usually want death matches in GCW. So let's just say it's a death match light kind of show. Throw a death match on that, uh, on that uh, replay. Yep. So little things like that. Kind of it work it into the card so that when you do pay the money to see the, the card, you look at that. You got a free death match out of it. Yeah, and I've seen. I don't, I don't know. You know, make, let that let that replay work for you and your story. Let it work so that the fans who want to see, maybe they want to see another scramble. Oh my god, I want scrambles. You know, let them see another scramble. We've got some fucking bangers for scrambles out there. And those fifteen minutes—that's a match time. So instead of just yes. dead air yes. where it could be a match, this is what I'm uh, just for the viewers at home, obviously. And I, I'm gonna hopefully remind me if I don't go into about what to do for the people in the in the crowd as well, live watching it instead of 15 minutes of like intermission break time and all this stuff. Like I have another idea, which I would like to see cause I I've seen it done once or twice in GCW, but I've also seen it in other companies, which works out perfect too. But what would that be? So for the fans in attendance, yeah, let's talk about it, bro. For the fans in attendance, I've seen them come out and as they're setting up the, the fuckery around the death match, uh, someone come out and cut a promo as they're setting up around them. And you could still could kill two birds with one stone for the live audience where, hey, you don't have to watch it. You could still hear it as you're getting your refreshments, as you're going to the bathroom, as you're at the merch tables. You could still hear the wrestler cutting a promo, furthering a story for the live crowd in those 15 minutes as they're still setting up the fuckery. So that way the people in attendance... They don't have to pay full attention to it and watch it. They can still do what they need to do, which is awesome for the wrestlers and for the venue, for the merch, for everything, and still ex get a storyline further told to you audibly through listening to them in the ring. Or um, as I, I've, I've seen that one done a couple of times, or if you're at a venue with the video, like, or with a big screen, like as an AC, sometimes they have like that projector, they could do it. Or at UCC, mm -hmm. I've seen them up there with the projector, like Mike Bailey almost knocked the projector off. Like during those 15 minutes, if they set up a death match at UCC, bring down the projector real fast, pop something on there for the live crowd, and then boom, pull it up when you go back live and it's all set. And like that way, the fans don't feel like they've lost 15 minutes of dead air or dead event. And us at home, I love the whole video packages of like you can extend of an upcoming match has a story, explain the story with just cut it up real fast and put some of they cut promos on social media or whatever put that online boom done or as you said hey next match coming up is not a death match we haven't seen nothing all night but 
we know you guys love your death matches. Here's an awesome one of maybe a yeah, wrestler, here's a death match. maybe a wrestler that was in it, or just put on a any even if it has nothing to do with it, just put on a match because, especially from events in let's say around the COVID area when the COVID hit, like a lot of people maybe didn't watch then. As you said, a lot of new fans come in, so kind of yeah. explain the history of. ECW through these little 15 minute intermissions where it's not dead time at all, where it feels like right now it is automatic dead time or it's okay. 15 minutes and we go walk my dog real fast. And I'll come back before the next match or in the venue, go by the merch, but then it's just dead time where I don't think you it's needed, but it's also not a huge thing, but like to see, but it could be huge, especially for the viewers at home. Like, I just think it has a, more positives than negatives. Yeah, because I know some people, sometimes even myself, I know this is weird to admit, but I'm one of those people sometimes where after a lot of loud noise for an hour, two hours or so, I kind of need a 5, 10, 15 minute break where it's just quiet. I mean, I've went to parties and sometimes I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go to the bathroom for five minutes and just enjoy the quiet just so I can kind of just kind of chill so sometimes i like that so um what i would say for people like that is when videos come on at the intermission just go ahead and mute it but otherwise there are people that i think would really appreciate it i i see the positives of making sure that using that video to balance the show and or maybe bring everyone up to speed on the history of a team or a performer would only be a positive because now when that performer comes out it's a bigger pop and everyone's on the same page with who the hell he is yeah, like right up, like right now, yeah. upcoming is the art of war games. You know, that's going to take 20, 30 minutes to set. Like, if I remember last year, it took like 45 minutes, I think, it set up last year where they didn't even, it was kind of dead air for 45 minutes. Um, like, I just think, hey, show last year's Art of War games. Here's, here's what to expect in an Art of War games match. This is what we did last year. Like, oh, you have so a upcoming, great point. Upcoming is like a really good chance to prove, like, hey, do it. Like, if they're, if they, let's say, I don't know what to say, like, they're listening, but like, like now is a good time to do it with all that. That's going to take up setup time. Like you, you have to do something for 30, 45 minutes of break time. Cause it's going to be a long time to set that up. Yeah. What I was thinking was, um, let's just say running up to TOD, you know what, play a couple of last year's TOD. So the next, uh, let's just say six shows leading up to TOD, every intermission is going to get a TOD match. Yeah, you know, something like that. You know, almost you can almost use that to kind of you know make the card a little more violent, leading up to a nice violent show that's going to be coming. Yeah. But uh, okay, 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 I'll circle around because <laughs> I, I will continue. Um, this was fairly exciting for a match right before the main event. Honestly, we talk a lot about how most of the matches right before the main event are generally solid classic wrestling matches. They're generally matches where um, it's a little more of a... Uh, it's bringing the, te- the temperature and the heartbeat of the place down. And this was atypical for that reason because um this was fairly exciting yes you know bell to bell i'm not going to complain at all i like that they do this i i love it every way it seems but this was nice to be able to i was ready for the main event so it was nice that instead of getting a seven or eight minute uh decent match i'm getting an almost 12 minute you know banger out of this i was really happy so i just I just what I took out of this was when I was looking at it, I could see where the ugly ducklings would really fit better. They fit great, but I think they would fit better in a family setting because the kids would quack all day long. And chances are that's probably where they are. 
I don't see much of them. They're tough as shit too. So I yeah. can't say I can't say they're not capable there. I'm just saying they're in a they're in a very fortunate position to where they could be in the R-rated deathmatch and they can all go all the way down to G and quack. That's right. I do I do like that um if they if they use their brains, they're quite capable there of some serious you know, I mean, it's just a very broad stroke that they could put on their sails. But it, it was it was mostly a stay in the ring kind of um, match. Generally, though, there were three or four people at the same time in the ring. So, I mean, they were both each on, you know, it was 2v2, but there wasn't it wasn't 1v1 hardly at all. Yeah. You know, 2v1 here, 2v2 there. I like the, uh, I saw you had it, you know, Sue, and I was going to make a mention too, because like I saw like one really cool move from the Ugly Ducklings that I saw. I was like, they have a lot of good tag team moves as well. You can tell they've been yeah. tag team for a long time. And like uh, one of the moves I popped on, which I don't think I've seen, maybe I have, but I haven't, maybe I haven't seen in a while, was the Ugly Ducklings had um one of the Alley Catch or um, Dark Sheik on the ground, and then they did like a, the one partner of the Ugly Ducklings went to go do like a backdrop on his partner. And then like just flipped him over and like that partner did a backflip and into the landed on the rest uh landed on Ali Catcher Dark Sheik and then the other wrestler did a backflip on top. So like I love seeing like that. Obviously, we talk about Jordan and Wayne, like those tag team chemistry moves, you could tell like how solid and uh smooth they were as a tag team. And we saw a lot of those kind of different moves throughout this match, but that was the one that stuck out to me. It's like, oh, that was pretty creative how they did that. And going into the ending of this match, Team Thrussy ends up picking up the victory as Ali Catch hits the pile driver and Dark Sheik with the baseball slide at the same time for the that leads us into GCW Sanctified main event of the evening. As the GCW Extreme title is up for grabs as the champion Cole Ratty Daddy Radrick defends it against Colby Carino. And this was another one of these matches where, hey, we're, we're, we're testing you out, Cole. We're trusting you to put mm -hmm. on a great main event, but we're also testing you here to see how you do in this main event as Extreme Champion. And I think they picked the perfect opponent as a veteran to kind of, if Cole does seem to struggle, which I didn't see it at all anyway, but if he does seem to struggle in his first, I don't know if this is the first main event. Maybe actually, I think he did main event against Alex Cologne. But I love how he's there's easing him in with veterans to do these main events where when it becomes time for him to kind of control and dictate the match as the veteran against a maybe young and upper comer like how he is right now. Um, Colby Carino was perfect. And we don't see deathmatch Colby Carino a lot, but he definitely went all in on this match. And I love seeing. Colby Carino when he's in uh gets thrown into these deathmatch situations, especially against younger talent, because you could see how he's I what I saw from Colby was, hey, I see a lot of myself in you, Cole Radrick here. You have a lot of promise, you have a lot of potential. You like to go, you're like a hybrid wrestler like me, where I don't do a lot of death matches, but when I do, I give 110%. And uh I was excited going into this match, and this match did not disappoint. Um I Kind of popped a lot, a lot during this uh, main event because uh, there was a little like obviously not slower but didn't get a lot of the, as you said i i was at this moment i was feeling oh i want blood i want blood i want blood i want i want the death match here <laughs> but it being an extreme title i was like oh, i don't know but i was like no once i saw kobe come out i was like yeah kobe's going in this is going to get crazy what were your thoughts on uh the gcw extreme title match oh okay <clears throat> let me let me do that i should have done it before i stopped <laughs> muting but um okay so 
first of all, Karina and Cole got great receptions right off the bat. Ratty Daddy Chance. You can see from the beginning there are light tubes all over the ring. It's damn near lining the ring. So um, I really do like the chance here that the belt's really being defended more to outsiders from GCW. It's not the regulars, you know. And I really do like here also that Cole's being given the chance to swim. Yep. One thing that we can say for sure is that Cole has been given one chance for sure. This has been an excellent push, and this is an excellent title run so far. I really hope that he grabs this by the balls and really does kind of an anyone, anywhere, anytime situation. I said this, you know, you could damn near say this with anybody, but right now he's defending this against most anyone who comes in. The only downside to that, let's just say for somebody like me, would be what's the chances of someone we've only seen once in a year, year and a half, two years, come in and actually take our title and run away? It's, it's going to be, you know, the chances are so rare. So unless it's somebody that we're going to keep around um, and just this is their first visit out of eight, it would be a shocker. So I could see somebody debuting and shocking the shit out of us and getting heat by beating the shit out of our ratty. So I'm just, yeah. you know, no, and that, like, that goes along with Alex Cologne when he went up against Rena. Like, I know that, hey, Rena's probably going back to Japan. Like, I was shocked to see Rena win because of that, as you said, because, hey, like, mm-hmm. they're going to win the belt. And then what? Now we're without our champion. But I, I know that ECW is going to Japan here soon where they could somebody could get the belt back and bring it back home when GCW comes home. But as you said, though, sometimes that does affect it like, oh, they're going against this person. Like, I already know Cole's going to win. But I think when it, a surprise does happen, as you said, I think that pop's going to be big and it like means, hey, maybe this person's going to be in GCW more. So I like having that kind of feeling where I would don't know who's going to win. But when it does happen, if it is an outsider, like I'm when want to be interested of oh how's that going to fit into the gcw's uh more immediate plans this thing was a brawl and it was mostly like an outside brawl so it ended up being a lot better than i expected i didn't know with colby carino because he's more of a veteran that it was maybe going to stay inside the ring because no bullshit he's also a wrestler yeah so i could have seen very much so a wrestling match between these two because cole's no slouch on wrestling either he can easily hold his own there so I really didn't know what to expect in that case. But yeah, this this went to an outside brawl. Um, here we go with my little deathmatch rundown. So really, when it really started to hit the fan was around minute three. That's when tables came out. Minute four, Cole did a dive into Colby sitting on a chair, which was just fantastic. Minute five, Cole gets light tubes launched at his head. Cole gets sliced on the ropes. He did one of those things where he was going around getting sliced on the ropes. Uh, Minute six, double broken tube shoved into his head. It looked like devil horns. Uh, It's not the first time, nor I believe the last time we'll see Cole do the little devil horn on the head thing. I I kind (laughs) of like it. Uh, Minute seven, Cole is bleeding well, is what I wrote down here. He's taking a lot of glass damage. Uh, There is still, by minute nine, no uh, Carino blood whatsoever. At this point, basically, Carino's just dealing damage to our champion, which I love. I I know the purpose for that. It makes him look strong, and and I love it. Uh, Minute 10, Cole is busting tubes on himself. (laughs) Uh, Ratty Daddy Chance breakout. So at this point, everybody's having a good old time. Minute 
11 comes up. We have Colby body slammed onto a set of chairs. GCW chants again. Fans are obviously thankful that GCW is in North Carolina. They're really seeing what... Uh, I'm, I'm not putting it right, and I'm sorry that I'm kind of stumbling on it. But what's going on here is it just seems they're very thankful that they're here. It's the first time. If they love them enough, they're coming back. And um, it's nice to hear a crowd who hasn't seen him 10 times a year. Yeah. And you know, I mean, doesn't take it for granted. Yeah. I'm not saying anybody does. I'm just saying that if you see someone 10 times a year, it's that how can I miss you if you're never gone kind of thing. And that's so, what I, I mean, was. It's no, I was just I, that's what I was telling you when, when this was going on, when I was kind of like telling you my thoughts on this match when we talked about it uh, off camera, obviously. But I was saying like this was kind of like a tester event where, hey, Let's not give them our full roster, our biggest squads. We want to kind of see how we do since it's our is our yeah. debut here. We want to kind of test the waters out where we're not going to bring our top talent. We're going to bring our our talent and like the, their, what they had showed here was awesome. It wasn't like the top of the top, but it was pretty much a lot of the big names. But it was also a T like a test where you guys are receptive. We will come back and do this again. And you will get the bigger stars where I think that's smarter than financially of not going head on into a territory or a city or a state where they don't know kind of what kind of reaction they're going to get the ticket sales, the the fans watching. Cause as we talked about when we were watching the ones in Nashville for the Ric Flair, it's like, depends on what fans show up of, are they expecting a GCW show? Or are they expecting a more normal wrestling show? And as uh, I think that, as you mentioned, I think they mentioned on commentary too, you felt, uh, uh, North, I think it's North Carolina. I keep forgetting Charlotte. It's Charlotte, right? That where it was. Mm -hmm. Like you could tell that yeah, crowd. It's in Concord, North Carolina. It's Concord, like a little area outside of Charlotte. Okay. Yeah. So you it's can like tell. Anderson, Nevada to Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. You know, it's kind of oh, like okay. it's an outsert. Yeah. Close enough. But as you said, and as commentary, I think commentary said as well, you could tell they, once the light tubes came out, once they got the death match, you could tell, hey, this is what we came to see. This is what. We want yes, GCW yeah. to be where and I think next time, as you said, when they go back there the next time, they will be rewarded for this performance from the fans um, being as participating as much as they were. This was satisfying to me because I used to watch his dad, Steve Carino, in ECW, in TNA, on the indies. Uh, much love to Steve. Yes. He's fucking awesome, awesome wrestler. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I just wanted to make sure I said it because he put in so much work and I'm sure collectively I've seen 10, 15, 20, 25 hours of what he's put on. And I'm sure each and every one of those minutes were painful. So I just wanted to say, Steve Carino, yeah, your boy's out there. Fuck. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Uh, okay. So um, minute 12. Carino hit a top rope slam onto a chair onto Cole. The other chair basically kind of got put off to the side there, got destroyed by an air raid crash. There was primarily a back and forth brawl towards the end of this match, even damage on both men. There was a lot of catch up. So Carino went from very little to a lot of blood equal to, uh, to Ratty quite soon. Minute 14, Carino did a top rope pile driver. Uh, I'm sorry, he top rope pile drive Cole through a table. Minute 15, Cole getting lots of tubes broken on him. There were light tubes broken absolutely everywhere. <clears throat> Again, I really thought this was a good match overall. I thought it was a very solid main event. I felt like Cole went out and did as a younger champion 
exactly what he was supposed to do. I felt he shined as he was supposed to shine. I felt that um, I felt that kudos to Brett for giving a young champion like Cole a chance to come out there in the main event and really do this. Yep. It, it says a lot about him and it says a lot about Brett to go out there and do that with him. I <laughs> Nick Gage explains a second layer of skin called the meat <laughs> of the head. I'm not Mr. Freaking hospital medical man, but it was really funny to hear him talk about the second layer of skin. <laughs> yeah. So I know that's a little out there too, but it was in my notes and it was so stupid. It was worth saying once. So um, this is, I only say it because you're going to hear it probably in the next show too, because uh, Gage sticks to his story and talks about the second layer of the meat in the head in our next show Yep, that we deal with. So and that's, that's why yeah. I love Nick Gage on commentary because he just goes, he doesn't, there's no filter. He just fuck that ref nope. up, stab him, kill him, stab him in his throat. Don't hold back, kill him. And then like how he tries to describe some stuff that's outside of his uh, knowledge, but he tries to explain it to other people in his words like, like sometimes they connect with me i'm like oh that makes sense because i'm a simpleton too with some of that stuff so i love just nick gage on commentary because you never know what you're going to expect and this match was awesome like those two styles and these two competitors was fantastic and as you said cole radic definitely stepped up colby stepped up as well made cole look like a million dollars um i loved how in w one spot during this match uh cole <laughs> Attacks a body part. Like, when was the last time you seen in a death match, like, someone actually attack a body part? Like, he hit uh, Colby yeah. in the back of the leg with the light tubes and then started, like, attacking his chair, or his leg with the chair, with the stomps. And, like, I never seen them in a death. I think that might have been the first time I've seen, other than that, hey, there's a big injury or something, then, yeah, you're going to attack it. But there was, like, nothing going on. Just Cole just decided to attack a body part and stick to it for a little bit, which was totally different for me in a death match. But that's the kind of shit I love seeing. I love seeing not just death matches and light tubes back and forth. I like seeing the wrestling of the death match with it. Well, so, so I was thinking that it seems like Nick Gage is going to be the commentary voice of our death matches, which I'm really hoping that stays. Same. And I'm really hoping that KG then would be the straight man. I'm really hoping it kind of goes like that because KG is able to take something like we said and, and, and turn, turn shit into an awesome sandwich. So I don't know, but uh, yeah, Gage is very blunt and, and just kick his fucking yeah. ass. But KG is smart enough to be able to, to say it in a way that is more eloquent. And I like, and so I yeah. can see that working like, very well together. Yes. And I would actually like the third person with Dave Prezak because I love some, on some of these stuff, like, him sometimes just will scream like ah, like oh my god, like yeah, the danger. And then I love this, like dangerous. Like I love when he does yes. that because, like, I I don't know, like those little simple things that get me popping as a fan on commentary. And as you said, like Nick Gage kills it, given the analysis on the deathmatch part. KG will add, uh, as you said, as the simple man, add that to it, and then Dave Prezak will add the old school kind of like, oh, what am I watching here? I'm more old school. I, they just did what with the light tube? Dangerous! I yep. love it. Yep. I love all those three commentating. And I agree. I hope we just continue to see Nick Gage do more deathmatch commentary. And we roll right into the ending of this match here. Oh, one spot too. Like, I think that's turning into Cole's spot. The upside down chairs. Like, I think that's definitely yeah. turning into one of his spots here. 
Now, by the time we're talking here, this would be the second time or the third time we've seen that chair. Yep. That chair. For two, for sure. Two, yeah. for sure. Possibly three. You know, if I was watching it late one night, maybe, you know, if there's a third I can remember. But um, yeah, Cole still comes out with the win here, man. Another successful title defense for Cole. Yes. And I can't complain. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed and loving his extreme title run because we've seen more death matches or more extreme style matches, but he has also done it in a scramble match and stuff like that. So he's doing to the extreme title, which I, I know AJ Gray did. And I think AJ Gray, just because it, we didn't, I didn't see him for like a month and a half. Maybe that's where I forgot he was kind of doing these same things. And maybe I came off sounding like AJ Gray's extreme title run wasn't as good as I thought it would be. I just think that time that he took off because of the injury or whatever else, that time that extreme belt wasn't being defended. If you go back and listen to our podcast, that's when I was being extremely kind of critical of the extreme title, maybe being a scramble title and all that stuff. But I think what they're doing, I do take back everything I said of getting rid of the extreme belt, keep it. They are doing exactly that. What I do want them doing doesn't have to be using it. Yes, it doesn't have to be (laughs) an scramble match every time, like how Veda Scott said. It doesn't always have to be a a death match, like how this was. It could be, hey, let's add doors, chairs. Let's get a little crazy with some other fuckery that's not death match style, but adds to the extreme element of the name of the title itself. So. Paul Radjic is killing it, and I hope his title run keeps on going. And I hope, keep hoping he gets all these different style of opponents to challenge him for that belt, whether it be in GCW or outside of GCW, as you said. I'm loving the title reign, and Cole is stepping up his game. And this is, might be the year where <laughs> this 2022 might be the year of the Ratty Daddy. And that will lead us right into our ending memorable moments of the night and john i'll let you go ahead and start off with your memorable moments because i as you know i always have a couple but i don't want to say the same thing you do so i'll let you start first okay okay so right off the bat the one thing that really stuck with me was the start of the show the intro it was that classic 90s style you know old-fashioned indie kind of hey motherfucker i'm here get ready you know that they cut and it's on to the uh there were no matches under 10 minutes i absolutely love that i love breathing time with matches george f and south of course i uh i'll leave that comment to the end i have a really good one i want to leave leave it to the end i i really like that a gcw show with tables happened it was really cool to see that somehow it must have been that uh the tables i don't know maybe they had some laying around but it was nice to see those instead of those uh doors i'm also curious to hear maybe what veterans would say if they prefer from a like a door or if they'd rather have a table to go through that's always a curiosity but there were no letdown matches each match really did have something entertaining in it if i had to i could look back at any time and go oh yeah that one had that that one had this an injured performance by joe lando was still impressive by the way so if he can come back anytime soon which right now he's been back uh, over over and over i want to see that keep going on i know it was a little earlier in the show but axton he keeps showing up and he keeps showing up i hope they keep giving him work because axton's really a kick-ass performer and then the last thing i wanted to say here was that i didn't really expect match uh, like much from all these local names at all i looked at the card i went okay i don't know him Okay, I don't know him. I don't know him, and I don't know. Okay, 
All right. Um, all right. Okay. Normally, I'm used to seeing Masha versus uh, Kevin Blackwood, and then I'm seeing Effie versus you know Effie and Jimmy Lloyd versus SGC. You know, and I'm seeing um, I'm seeing some of these names that I'm not used to seeing. So. I sit down, I go to watch this, and I was a hundred percent surprised. Every single one of these performers showed up. It really was, it really was, it just really made me feel good to know that the South is still alive in wrestling. I mean, we're talking the local guys are kicking ass down there. Quite a few of them I'd actually like to see in GCW again. And there were quite a few of them who really had solid gimmicks. Like they knew who they were and that's who they were going to be. And yeah, very few would I not want to see again step through. Yep. A solid, man. That goes pretty much right there was my notes. I took, uh, oh, okay. I, no, it, it's awesome because That's I, I'm good. the same way. Like my big takeaway from this night, as we were talking about, this was it like the all-star lineup as GCW just did at homecoming. Like they, they rested some of their bigger names or the bigger names were not on the card. They still had the SGC, the FE, the alley catches. Nicole Radjicks, but I loved every single match. Every match had someone that wasn't a GCW regular. Every uh-huh. match was someone new. Love seeing them get that time, get that spotlight, get that opportunity and chance to maybe next time they're in this around the area, not even has to be in North Carolina or wherever, but even if it's in that general area, they might call these talents to come down and do another match. And I loved the like as you said, you hit it spot on. Same thing in my notes. Everyone did not disappoint. I would like to see more Diego Hill, more um, Bojack, more Duck Ugly Ducklings. I want to see the Ugly Ducklings after that match. I I really went to yeah. That'd be an awesome showcase that match for Nick Wayne and Jordan. Um, I loved I loved all that talent and loved seeing the new one. And I loved how they incorporated it into almost the entire night. Where um, yes, it was complimentary. Yep. Exactly. And like the matchups, all these matchups made sense. Every single match that was put together made sense. And I Mm -hmm. think that that in my mind made the matches and the card and the whole event way better because there was a lot of complimentary styles, even with the younger guys working with or veteran GCW wrestlers, but their, their talents meshed well together. And I love seeing that. And really I only had two, like two memorable moments was all the new talent and Cole Radrick stepping up and, uh, or not earning, but like earning the fans' respect and maybe earning the fans' um, trust and possibly leading, turning this extreme championship into an ultra violent title run, main eventing shows, or maybe next year down the line of becoming the GCW world title. I know it's a long way away and like he has a lot more growing to do, but I think if he keeps on progressing as much as he has, especially this year, and the fans keep on taking and recepti- receiving him and being receptive to him as they have been, I think. As in right now, the GCW, like, I think they got their next star that they're building towards. And I want to see, I know we kind of saw it at TOS, and I want to see it turn into something more. Because I thought heading into TOS, this was my batch of the that whole tournament I wanted to see in a lot of people's eyes was when Drew Parker comes back. I want to see Drew and Cole have, like, a series of three or four matches whenever Drew's uh, back in the States for his little excursion here again, or maybe if he comes here full-time, I don't know. But I want to see Cole and Drew Parker just continue what they did at TOS and keep mm. on whatever title they're chasing for or challenging back and forth. I think that's going to elevate that whole division to another level because those two are, I think those two are kind of like the young pillars of the um, ultra-violent or the death matches. I think that's where they could build upon. As right now, we still got the leaders of Cole, Alex Colon, John Wayne Murdoch, Rena. I think they're 
the second tier group is fastly climbing up into that top tier group where we can have a lot more crazier matchups and crazy matches in the death machine and in GCW. And I'm excited to see Cole's ascension towards that, uh, towards that final nation. And that will be it for GCW Sanctified. Uh, fun show. Very good. It was a very good lead up to and kind of a good, uh, not teaser, but kind of ex what to expect the next night when they were in Atlanta at center stage as uh, before, like, I don't want to get into it, but we saw a lot of new talent there as well. And that, and a lot of death matches, a lot of crazy spots and uh, GCW is killing it. And I think they're on, on their way to building towards a pretty great uh, art of war games coming up here soon. Um, and <laughs> They they just keep on rolling like they don't take the days off. They got big show, big show, big show, and love seeing what GCW has been doing lately. Uh, do you have anything else to add for GCW Sanctified here, John? Before we send them off? No, man. Um, I'm hoping anybody who's listening just gets ready because here fairly soon we're gonna go ahead and pump out another beautiful show to them. This was really a fun one and stupid and unexpected, yeah. and it was really um the flavor that south flavor made it a unique show this show you you 100 percent wouldn't have seen in la yeah so um really i just wanted to say that and just say again um thank you so much to everybody who listens this is so awesome to do man yes this has been fun it's been crazy um i think before we started recording this i posted online we uh uh, did hit 300 listens too so everyone that is out there listening thank you i see it we see it we appreciate thank it. You. it it brings a smile to our face as uh the night i saw um the 300 views uh i was having a very rough day like, i've had a rough couple of weeks at the home with the house stuff breaking down but that night especially was very rough and uh seeing that we hit 300 which is kind of like one of my short-term goals and how fast we hit 300 listens that definitely brought a smile to my face may put me in a way better place and happier place and what i was going into not knowing that uh, piece of information so i just want to say everyone that out there that is listening however they're listening to it like we appreciate it i appreciate it a lot and um yeah, we're, we're going to keep on doing this here. We're going to keep on doing this for you guys out there, for us, for you guys that are fans, just like how we are. Um, we're glad you're enjoying the content and listening. And uh, based off of where I'm seeing the locations of where the people are listening, it's spreading. The word is spreading out there. So please continue to spread out there that we are another content for GCW. We don't we're not with GCW. We are our own little thing. We have nothing to do with GCW, but we're just trying to help expand other wrestling fans into learning and finding out more and enjoying GCW product as we uh, have done on behalf of myself and Mr. John J. Wolf. That will be the end of GCW sanctified. And that will be the end of GCW plant podcast episode 15. Check, uh, keep an eye out for shortly here in the next couple of days, GCW plant podcast episode 16, where we cover GCW's uh, return to center stage as GCW had hoped to die in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, once again, on behalf of myself, Mr. John J. Wolf, you can always find all of our social media information on the bottom of wherever you're finding this podcast. And as we always say, thank you guys all for listening and long live, live. GCW. Uh -huh. We're going to get it. Have a Fuck good night, it. everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>